All right, what's up, listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. <laughs> what are you? Peter just did a fun <laughs> hand motion. Uh, this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deeper discussion of the movie. And we're going to ask the most important question. Would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing Triangle of Sadness. Uh, but before that, we're going to get into some news. So... Guys, biggest news of the week. We have heard what the next project with Rachel Sinat is. Rachel Sinat is reteaming with uh, the director of Shiva Baby, Emma. That sounds wrong. Shiva Baby. Let me just double check what the director's name is. Emma. Oh, yeah. Emma Seligman. Seligman. I don't know. Sorry, Emma. Um, she was, she's both uh, the writer and the director. And so she's reteaming with her. And she's going to be co-starring with uh, Ayo Edabiri, Birir, um, who I feel like I've heard that name before, but I'm not sure what she's done before. American comedian. Oh, she was in The Bear, Big Mouth. I don't know anything else. Oh, she was in sh- yeah. uh, Shit House. I have no idea who any of these people you're talking about are. Yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> well, Rachel, well, we know uh, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel Sinat was in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, okay. You saw that one. I did not about it. it. Oh, wait. Actually, Alex, let me correct you. Her next project is The Idol. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. In, in Her next a future project. project. Yeah. 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 The Idol is um The Weeknd's vanity project or maybe not oh, a with, like project, the, with the euphoria guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. with sam something anyways anyways so rachel sinat ao edabirir with emma seligman are they're doing a movie it's called bottoms uh and it the synopsis is as follows two oh i did hear popular yeah two unpopular queer girls in their senior year of high school start a female fight club so that they can hook up with girls on the cheerleading team. Yo, I watched that. I watched that. <laughs> I think any anyone who hears that synopsis and is like a fan of Rachel Sinai is like, oh, I'm so down for this. That sounds great. Um, very excited. Uh, let's uh, let's head on into the Marvel corner and uh, yeah. hit some Marvel of our Marvel news. Marvel theme. Dude, how are we uh, getting so, Marvel news every week? This is crazy. It's pretty crazy. And like more than one point every single week for quite yeah, the MCU time. rules the world. So, so it seems that um, somebody has been watching our podcast because they changed the, um, what do you call those? The subtitles for the She-Hulk oh, yeah. finale. So slight, slight spoilers for the She-Hulk finale if you haven't seen it. But in the, in the, the subtitles, I complained last week that it spoiled the ending for me that I knew that Kevin wasn't Kevin Feige. It was a robot because it was like the acronym. So they changed it. But they listened to the podcast, it seems. That's Kevin great. listens to the podcast. Yeah, the robot Kevin. Yeah. E-V-I-N, yeah. Um, uh, it sounds like we're going to get another special presentation. We're going to get a bunch, but there's been like a rumor, I think, that the Silver Surfer will be getting a special presentation ahead of the Fantastic Four. I think that, I that sounds pretty neat. I think that sounds neat, too. I uh, I remember seeing Silver Surfer as a kid in Fantastic Four 2 and being like, oh, this is a wacky guy. And I don't know much about him <laughs> other than that. <laughs> I think that's why a special presentation would be great, because otherwise you're just yeah. going to do the same thing as Fantastic Four 2, where, you know, random guy shows out of nowhere 
and you're like, you're, who, who is this guy, right? So I think that's what's nice about the special presentation is you can flesh out these characters who have like interesting backstories, like how did he become the Herald of Galactus, that sort of thing. And he's more than just the Herald, like he has his own little cosmic adventures on his cool surfboard. Um, I'm going to save the biggest bit of news, and this isn't really news, but um, I saw something on Twitter. Someone noticed that Wong has been like assembling a little team or something. So I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, so so far, if you if for those keeping track, Wong at the Kamartage Institute of Learning or whatever has America Chavez from Doctor Strange. He has Abomination. He has Madison. What's going on there? Is he forming like <laughs> like a little <laughs> Avengers team? Yeah, What's and I, and, and I guess Rintra as well. That Green Minotaur. If anyone cares about that. Yeah, thing. he's cool. But, he's cool. Training the mind. I don't know. Did he not die? What, Peter? Doctor Strange too? I don't think so. I think he lived. Okay. That's Who is that? Yeah. He's like the, the Minotaur-looking guy. And he's green. Trailers. It's funny because like... He got featured very in, heavily in the trailers. So. Yeah. In advance of the movie, people were like, oh, fuck, they're doing Rintra. And there was like... <laughs> you showed up for like two There were like shirts and merch <laughs> for Rintra. And so it seems like he's going to be like a bigger part of the movie than he was. Um, I anyways, straight up don't remember seems, him at all. So. Fair enough. Like, if you didn't know what, who go. he was, I wouldn't be surprised. Anyways, it seems that something is going on over there. Um, could it be the agents of Atlas? It's not really Wong's thing, though. I don't know. It's weird, because Abomination isn't magic, so... Maybe he will be a sorcerer. Oh. Imagine sorcerer just, like... Hog. XL size sling ring with like abominations <laughs> <laughs> in the in the fish form. That'd be kind of fun. Um, someone someone once theorized that maybe Wong is the Coulson of of this saga. So instead of yeah. like just doing Coulson for a phase, like it's the whole saga. So you get to know Wong. He's crossing over. He's all, and sort of like Nick Fury slash Coulson, and he's the one connecting people. And then like, what if Kang kills him? kills the sorcerer supreme at some point oh yeah and then then people would be like oh fuck it's wong and i know wong and i like wong people love wong bro so dude low key, thing. now that you brought up nick fury i wish we've seen more nick fury in the recent mcu stuff i think yeah. he's coming right he is coming yeah actually man. yeah in the spring secret invasion we'll see him he'll oh, get us yeah. all a little okay thing. that's good that's good yeah yeah so um treasure treasure wong while you still have him <laughs> and i mean if you think about it like doctor strange has to be the sorcerer supreme at some point like that's his natural character bro we should have like a that's wong the end point doctor strange yes wong's gotta die that's all i'm saying so <laughs> treasure wong while you have him uh the last bit of marvel news this is a rumor and it's a casting rumor the internet has been saying Read that, that perhaps rumor. That perhaps Adam Driver, Amadeus Driver, could be <laughs> none other than Mr. Fantastic. Dude, perfect. Terrible. No, terrible perfect. casting, in my opinion. Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren, Mr. Fantastic. No. Perfect. That's exactly what I want. No. Kylo, <laughs> no. Adam Driver's a long hair boy, and Mr. Fantastic is anything but, like, straight cut, you know? I don't see it. I think Adam Driver's a fantastic actor but i don't i don't think he fits the role dude we require comic book accurate haircuts that's what we need in casting there's so <laughs> many better casting choices that people have been talking about 
Glenn Howerton, the Penn Badgley guy, um, the guy from The Good Place, the guy from uh, Star Trek, right? Like, there's just so many better options. I don't know. I, it makes me angry that I would go for something like that. Um, people have also been saying that he might not be that Fantastic Four character. This is another oh. kind of spoilery thing. So gonna, some have been saying... Be thing. Maybe. maybe <laughs> I don't know what I heard. Uh, so it could be a case of crossing the wires, but it could be um, that he was in talks to voice Doctor Doom. Mm. that mm. I could okay. get behind. I could get behind him as Dr. Doom, I think. The Doom guy. I hope they go all out with, like, Latveria, like, instead of what they did in, like, the 2000s franchise, where he was just kind of, like, a mean guy that was electric. Like, I hope he, like, rules a nation, you know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that would be much better. And he's got, like, mystical ties, too. Like, he does magic, so... Yeah. Magic and science. So I, I think that would be neat. Um, but, and this is more spoilers, so if you really don't want to know things ahead of time, don't listen to this right now. We might be finding out who is playing Doctor Doom by the end of the year. Let's just say that. It may be coming up shortly. Now, on to our uh, Warner Bros. Discovery news of the week. <laughs> How are they fucking up now? Those are the two uh, staple segments. MCU and Warner Brothers fucking up. Those are the two. Exactly. <laughs> two <laughs> so, this, so this week, they, they actually did have some promising DC news. Um, but first, I want to talk about them doing stupid things. So Warner Bros. is <laughs> releasing the entirety of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. As, as, a, set of, as a set of <laughs> NFTs. I know. What, what the fuck? Mean? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> How do you? How is a movie an NFT? Like I thought they like, were like gifts. Like I don't. Yeah, like are they? Like does that mean that are they selling the rights to it? Like if someone owns the NFT, do they have the rights to the movie? Like what does that mean? What do so, you do? Not fungible. I don't know. <laughs> you can't fudge it. So basically, I think what what they're doing is each scene, each frame of the movie is getting sold as an NFT. Every frame of the movie. I like, what about so, the bad yeah. frames that are, like, really... <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's, like, it's just, like, a camera padding. It's just, a camera padding. There's just nothing. <laughs> like, you know that, you know that, um, that Twitter account? One, one less than perfect shot or something? Where it's just, like, all the worst shots. Like, are you gonna yeah. get NFTs of those? Yeah. I don't know. That's just crazy. I, I, I cannot believe that the higher-ups, the execs, are still thinking that this is a viable thing. No, it's kind this of funny, Bitcoin, though. It doesn't uh, make any sense. At the height of NFT, they were actually getting sold for really good money. Like, think the monkey, the monkey JPEG. Yeah. Uh, monkey JPEGs. Yeah, but now, <laughs> now NFT is, like, falling off big time, and people are still trying to promote it. I don't understand why. You know what? I think it's just, like, people, like, the especially studio execs, are so, like, out of touch. So at the beginning of this thing, they think it's a thing. They hop on the trend. They spend money on it, and now they're trying to now make that money back. Right. That's what okay. I think. I think it's yeah. a pyramid yeah. scheme, right? Same with Bitcoin, yeah. right? You have it. You got to get rid of it somehow. So you got to yeah. play along as if it's real. Anyway, so we got some DC news. Um, so apparently, there's a new Superman film in the early stages of development. 
uh, with none other than whatever his name is, Hen- Henry Cavill. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe you um, forgot his name. That's fucking. Blasphemy. It took me just a moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I I, yeah, I don't really am, care about that. <laughs> I'm outspokenly not a fan of anything Zack Snyder did in the DC thing. So Man of Steel, I don't care for it. It's whatever. Um, and Superman, even like when he's acting like regular Superman, like I, I don't care to be honest. Yeah. Dude, I'm just kind of really like, happy that Henry Cavill finally gets to do a Superman movie because we've been talking about it for an upward of like five, seven years now, and now yeah. he's finally able to do it. I'm just very happy for him. What would you, if you were making a Superman film, if you know anything about Superman comics, what would you do? Yeah, because I was about to say, no Brainiac, they need to do Brainiac. It's such a great villain. Like, dude. I think, yeah, Brainiac could be cool. I I know, I know Brainiac's featured heavily. Uh, Brainiac was in the Injustice game, the second one, and also, he's also going to be in Kill the Justice League. Yeah, Suicide Squad game. But, man, Brainiac is such a great villain. They, I want to see a yeah. live action adaptation. It's crazy we haven't gotten him in movies yet, right? I don't yeah, know at all. Yeah, he's been on. I think he was on the show Krypton, but but yeah, I think. Oh yeah, I think and Brainiac also could be good. I I would say one more thing though. Ditch, fuck, what, what's his name? Jesse Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Please <laughs> ditch him. Yeah, he's not a reset, good Lex Luthor. Yeah, can we reset like, the, the continuity <laughs> and just like you know, I don't, I don't think. Warner Brothers needs to be so beholden to continuity. I think they, if they're trying it's to restart fucked. this thing, it's already fucked. If they, it's already fucked. First of all, <laughs> I think if they want to restart this thing, they have to uh, prune some branches. You know, it's Definitely. like gardening. Push you want to make yeah. a nice hedge, right? Yeah. You got to cut the things off that don't work. So I think, I think you're right. I think, also, in that vein, I think they should establish Lex Luthor. I don't think he should be the main villain. But I think he should be a supporting character in this new Superman film. Those are my. That's as much as yeah, I know about Superman. So really, he about. can be featured more heavily in the third one. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah I yeah, and I. I think point, it's. I think it's interesting to have a villain like the, the more iconic villain be present and be around, but not be the main threat. I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Well, that was uh, one of the exciting things. When Spider-Man Homecoming came out, that was one of the exciting things about it because there were so many characters that were like, oh, it's that guy. And he was just like a little part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure, yeah. Do you guys remember and, the infamous basketball scene with, <laughs> with Jesse Eisenberg? <laughs> no. That's a thing. the Superman. If that's a thing, I've purged it from my memory. Okay. The only thing I remember is it was the piss in a jar from that movie, which is really unfortunate. <laughs> um, anyways, moving on. Um, more talk about sequels. Matt Reeves has been meeting with writers and directors to helm uh, various projects that are set in his own DC Batman universe. That's that'll cool. follow um, yeah, the Robert Batten, Battensonverse. Um that are going to be about like the rogues gallery. I think that's great. Um, so some of the names that were mentioned were Scarecrow, Professor Pig, who is like, I feel like if you're not like surgery guy. Yes, yes, good. Yeah, I saw him on so, Gotham. Well, I yes, mean, yes, I'm surprised. There was that, Gotham, and also was, uh, if show, you play yeah, if you that. play Arkham Knights, he was featured in Arkham mm-hmm. Knights too. Yeah. yeah, so he does like cosmetic surgery stuff. Yeah. And the last one is the most interesting one, Clayface. 
who is oh, yeah. a character that I I desperately want to see what that looks like. Because I think, like, as a serial killer kind of vibe, actually, I don't know if Clayface kills people, if that's, like, his thing. But I think a creepy, like, clay kind of thing. Like, it reminds me of True Detective kind of thing. Like, really eerie stuff. So I think that could be neat. Um, cool. I'm not I'm I'm not one of those people who cares if it's like actual like mystical or metahuman. I think it'd be fine if it wasn't. I don't I don't really care. Yeah, I, don't know I mean, like um, I think he's trying to keep the universe very grounded, anyways. Mad Reeves. I'm excited. It for seems the... that way. It seems that way, but also like I think people have have asked him, and he said if it was going to be magic, like that would be fine. Like he he's not afraid to do magic in the universe, but I don't. I don't care for the magic side personally. So what were you going to say? Aiden? I was going to say one of the things that I remember from the dark Knight trilogy that I was like slightly disappointed by was that Scarecrow is kind of always in the background, even in background, even in Batman begins, he like wasn't fleshed out or given as pivotal of a role as I would have liked. And I think he's a cool character. So I'm excited for that. Oh, okay. And was it, wasn't he the main villain of Batman Begins? Yeah, but he's no, like well, still. It was, uh, it's it's oh, it Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Rachel Ghoul. But yeah, I don't know. Mr. Yeah. Liam Neeson. Neeson? He's Spanish. A Wait, is it, is it, is it a Neeson? <laughs> it's Neeson. <laughs> it's Neeson. Yeah. It's Neeson. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, last bit of Warner Brothers news. Uh, in the same. I think it was like all in one press release. Uh, James Gunn is going to be doing a new mystery film with DC. Um, no idea what that is, but awesome. I, I like what War, uh, what Gunn has been doing with the DC characters in the movies more so. But uh, so, Dude, yeah, it's going to be, be Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> people, well, people have been speculating that either Suicide Squad or... It's uh, there's some team that I can't remember the name of, like the Secret Six, or it's so close to Sinister Six, but it's not quite <laughs> that. And it's like Catman is one of them, and oh, no. Ragdoll, and I don't know, just seems neat. And you could, I think the idea was that you could transplant the Suicide Squad characters who lived from the Suicide Squad, put them in there, and then pit them against a new Suicide Squad. So that could be neat. I don't think that would be a mystery film though, so that might be something different. I said I saw it on Twitter that um that the new mystery film is obviously Detective Chimp. That's obviously who that is gonna be about. It's if you're wondering who that is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a chimp who is a detective. Awesome. <laughs> He's worked that. with Batman before. Yeah. Oh uh, anyways, okay. so we're getting out of the uh Warner Brothers corner. Uh just some general news, last two bits of news. Uh, so the Safdie brothers, who I said were working with Adam Sandler, are also going to be working with Netflix. Um, and they're, the movie they're making... Was that Uncut Gems? Was that Netflix? Uncut Gems was Netflix, yeah. Okay. And the movie they're doing is uh, about the high-end the, the high world of sports card collecting. Okay. Sounds a lot like Uncut Gems. It does like, sound a bit like Uncut Gems. Yeah. Similar vibe. Just kind of like niche collector's items that are a lot of money. But, I mean, I'll I'll see what that is because Safety Brothers are pretty cool guys. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, and the last, last bit of news is the Creed 3 trailer dropped. Now, I think we've all agreed that none of us have seen any of the Creed movies. And maybe none of the Rocky movies either. 
but what did you guys think of this trailer? I think it looks really cool. Actually, I think the story like seems really interesting. I don't like that's a like the concept of someone feeling like they should have had that life. That I think that's an interesting thing. Um, so yeah, I think it was cool. Dude, I just think Jonathan Majors. Like, how can you be this ripped? Like, <laughs> like the muscle definition is actually insane. Ant Man is dead. Yeah, Ant Man's dead, bro. Ant Man's yeah. dead, bro. Paul Rudd with with this guy in a ring. Holy shit! Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that like Creed three is so good that people were rooting for whatever Jonathan Majors guy. Like they're rooting for him to win at the end. Like that's oh, how right. well crafted it is. Yeah, apparently, and that you like Jonathan. So, Majors. so, so people have seen it already. There have been like advanced screenings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like okay. test test screenings. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, it's it's crazy because this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. I think he took over the realm, uh, the reign, sorry, from uh, Black Panther's Ryan Coogler. I had to think oh, of yeah. what his name was, but so yeah, I'm I'm excited, and I'll probably have to do a, a Creed marathon before that comes out. Ooh, Creed three. When does that come out? Twenty twenty three sometime. And it is March, March 2023. So not for a while, but yeah. Anyways, we watched a movie. We watched a movie. Sure it was a real movie, and it was Triangle of Sadness. So we are going to guess the Metacritic score. There's a website on the internet, and it tabulates critics' reviews of a movie. If it is a 60 or above, it's green. If it's 80 or above, it's a must see. If it's in the 50s or so, it's yellow, and if it's in the 40s and below, it's red. So we're going to guess where we think Triangle of Sadness lands in that zone. Um, I never remember who won last week, so it doesn't really matter. We'll start off fresh, as we usually do. Peter, where do you think Triangle of Sadness lands? Okay, so I think it's one of these movies where a lot of people think it's good, but then a lot of people don't vibe with it. So I'm gonna say seventy-five. Seventy-five, interesting. Yeah. I will go next because I feel like I usually go last. So okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, 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 I feel like I always go last, which gives me an advantage. So I, I want to switch it up a little bit. Oh. Um. Okay. I want to guess eighty. I think it's. I think it might land in the must-see zone. Uh. So Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with Peter that I think this is going to be the kind of movie that like really hits for some people and then doesn't hit as much for others. Um, I think that it's going to be... Hmm. <laughs> Do I want to game this? I'm going to go 74. Wow. 74. 74, 75. And Metacritic is not responding to me, so we're going to have to go the old-fashioned way. Triangle de Sion. Holy, is that? Oh wow! Oh, okay. Um, we were very wrong. That's we quite were a very off. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Now knowing that 90s? we're still off. Now knowing that we're so off, do you want to guess where it lands? Do you want to get a second guess? This is fun. Okay, is I've it seen off? It, so I can't guess, but. Is it? I can't tell if it's off, high or low. Because like yeah, I feel like the only way. Because yeah. I feel That's like the fun if, of this game. The thing That's is, if it was like <laughs> if it was like ninety one, I feel like you're not reacting that way because that's not that much higher than what you put. 
It's, that's so not like crazy is, higher than eight. Ninety-one is a difference of like eleven. So that's right. But as opposed so what do you to, think? okay, hmm. I'm gonna make a wild guess, and I'm gonna say ninety-five. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just go on the opposite end. That I'll say it's sixty. Aiden is closer, and Aiden would have won anyways. It's a sixty-two. Okay, yeah, that's 62, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Which is oh, insane. Okay. That's that's. I think I think that's wrong. I don't. Think yeah, that's outrageous. I think that's know. too low. But as we'll get into it, I was not a huge fan of this movie, so we'll we'll it get into it. Was a little that. weird. Yeah. Um. I will also say at this point in time that it won the Palm Door at yeah. Cannes. So Which I am very insane. surprised at, having seen it's, that. It's kind of weird that it won, and it's also weird that it won and then got a 62 on Metacritic. So yeah. lots of weird things going on with this movie. Um, so let's get into our non-spoiler reaction. So Aiden, as the winner, you get to decide uh, who goes first, and I have a feeling I know who will go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Who the fuck yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So there are a lot of things I liked quite a bit about this movie. There are a lot of really good details. This is clearly very intentional filmmaking in a lot of ways. Um, and so there are a lot of things that I really appreciated. However, I had a problem with how this movie was exploring its themes. I had a problem with um, like fleshing out ideas and the pacing of it and the writing in general. Um, so yeah, to me, this movie kind of fell short of what it was trying to achieve. I think I wanted it to pack more of a punch, especially towards the end. Uh, and I would give this a solid 3.5 stars, like a 7 out of 10. Um, and I would, for in terms of recommendation, I think the average moviegoer is not going to like this movie. Uh, I think they're going to think it's long and boring. Um and so, well, I don't know. There's some parts that I think is funny, but yeah, I don't know. I might recommend it if you, if you like, if you're like a film guy, if you're a filmy film guy, you might really, really love this. I know, I know of like other people who are like film students who love this movie. I have one friend who was like yeah. raving about it, but um, yeah. So I don't know. If you're like a film guy, go see it. But if you're not, I would say you probably don't uh, want to see this. Interesting. Now, Peter, I know that you have a, a bit of a different take. Uh, after, after, yes. Now, after after Peter saw it on, what was it, like Thursday? You saw it fairly early. Yeah, I saw it on Wednesday. Or Wednesday, yeah, because it, yeah. it's been out in your city for a little bit longer than it has where uh, Aiden and I reside. Now, after you saw it, almost immediately, I think you called me singing its praise. So let's hear about that. I think it was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed the film from beginning to end. It was like one of these movies that you just don't catch a break and the director keeps surprising you with new things. Uh, and the way these things happen, it's just the most unexpected ways. And I love that. Uh, I think it's been a long time since the film just keeps reinventing and sort of exploring itself uh, so in, in so many instances in in just, a, I think it's around a two-hour, 30-run time. Okay, so it's actually quite long. So I, I was going to say... Right. It is long. Yeah, relatively short run time, but that's not accurate then. Uh, I think... Wait, was it actually two I, hours, 30? I, is that, it's like 220-something. 
Two twenty? That's insane. Yeah. One forty nine minutes. Holy it's over shit. two hours, yeah. That's that's two thirty. Oh fuck. That's yeah. long. Yeah. Um, I think that's longer I, than Black I, Adam. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> me it fe- for me it felt long, so we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we will. No, I do agree. Black, that, okay, wait, uh, hold on, hold on, Peter. Black Adam was one twenty four minutes. So it's thirty minutes longer than Black Adam. <laughs> The movie that changed and the I power felt, structure of the DC universe, the hero. I saw, the I saw Black Adam. And Black, yeah, <laughs> I saw Black Adam. So I'll get into it. Okay. But, um, sorry, Peter. I, I hijacked your review. You may continue. Um, so I would agree, though, that uh, the he, the director Ruben picked some very easy themes. I say to tackle. Um, so, like, if anything, I would prefer the movie explore something more nuanced instead of something. Uh, that's more on the simpler side when it comes to themes. But, like, when it comes to execution, I think uh, it's done very, very well. Like, it's humor to a degree where you laugh, but also you feel uncomfortable about the message that's underlying some of the humorous scenes that they're portraying. Uh, Because, like, it's like you have an enjoyable viewing experience, but then after you've watched it, you think back on some of the scenes and the... some of the dialogues you, you've heard, some of the scenes you've watched, you feel almost disturbed in a sense about this world that they're portraying and how, I, I, I dare I say, similar it is to like uh, what is actually going on in the world despite this being sort of an exaggeration. I'd recommend this to everybody and I'm, I gave it a four out of half, four out of five, uh, sorry, four and a half out of five. Wow, four and a half, interesting. So we've got some uh, slightly different takes, but generally positive. Um, I'd say I have to land a little closer to Aiden, uh, although I think I might have enjoyed it more than Aiden did. Um, actually, I don't think I have any lead up to this, but again, we happen to be in the same theater. It doesn't help yeah, that that's true. it doesn't help that the the theater we were at was is the only one in our city yeah. <laughs> playing this movie, despite right. there being several theaters. Like there's what three other ones that are within our proximity. So it's there's a lot kind of crazy that this is the only one that's playing it. And this one too. Like I don't, yeah, this, the sometimes, sometimes the, don't this one it. does get the already movies. It's this one. And then I love it. I love yeah. It. You get all, all the viewers at home. Like sometimes the already movies are at this one, but then other times <laughs> they're at this one. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we're in the same theater. Uh, I'm sure Aiden has stories to tell about how there was someone a couple of rows ahead of him, maybe laughing a little too loudly. Um, it was a, it was a, it wasn't very packed. The theater was wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of people, and I was definitely one of the only people laughing. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of like a general vibe of how I felt. I I so I had a good time. I think. Um, I think the direction was good. I think the acting was really well done and the visuals were really well done. I think I just have a problem slightly with some of the writing. Uh, there's a bit of like a pacing issue in, especially in like the first half of the movie. Um, and it's probably a bit long as well. And just kind of like, like it's a little thin, I think. Uh, and I've yeah. seen some other movies recently that just, you know, the the idea or how many ideas there weren't enough to warrant the runtime, yes. I think. 
Um, and there, there just should have been more. And I was a little surprised having seen force majeure, which I, you know, I talk about often. Um, I was surprised how little of a punch I felt this movie was giving. Like it didn't pack a punch as yeah. much as I wanted it to. Um, I thought it would be a little more satiri- satirical and, and wise, but I think some of it was common ground that has been tread before. Um, not to say that it doesn't have some interesting insights, and I think it was worth it for that, but I don't know. I, I think maybe the script could have used some help a little bit. Um, so would I recommend it? I think what Aiden was saying was exactly how I would do this. For a regular person, probably not. Uh, it's a lot. It's a long movie for, you know, not a lot of payoff. So you have to be someone who's patient. And I know that the average moviegoer is not necessarily that. Um, however, people who are into film and who like kind of more arty things, I would suggest this. I think it was a good time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, maybe like a between a 3.5 and a 4. I might middle out those reviews. I might average it right in the middle. So I think I was the loser for the guess the Metacritic score. So I will provide a brief synopsis if you have not seen this movie, but would like to continue uh, listening to our lovely podcast and our uh, lovely voices. Dude, this is not going to be brief. Oh my God. I'm going to try and keep it as brief as I possibly can. I think you can do it because not that much actually happens. So I think you actually can do it. so we, we start off with this guy named Carl. He's a model. He has a girlfriend who is also a model. Uh, her, her name is Yaya. And in the first little bit, they fight over money troubles. He's always paying for their dinner. Um, then they're on a boat. Like, I think that's... That's, yeah. that's, that's all the first third of the movie. Is. <laughs> yeah. So then they're on a luxury uh, yacht. Uh, and it's like, like it's a cruise, but it's a yacht. So it's, um, you know, like a bunch of very, very rich people are on this yacht. So there's a, a Russian businessman who's like super rich, uh, and he sells fertilizer. He's there, uh, with his wife and girlfriend. Uh, there's a guy with a lot of money who's, uh, sad that he's single. There's a an elderly British couple who sell weapons of mass destruction. Um, Well, not maybe mass destruction, but including hand grenades, which is an important, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, There's a woman. We don't really see her, her husband, but there's a woman who's paralyzed or who had a stroke and who can only say a couple of words in German now, just because of like the, her speech center has been affected. Um, trying to think of any other important characters who are on this yacht. Uh, I think that well, might be it. There's Abigail, but we don't really see her too much. Too. We don't really know who, her at this point. And there's, yeah. oh, I, I don't know her name. There's the, um, there's the person who's like one of the crew members. Paula? The uh, man. Oh, is it Paula? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Paula, the manager. Uh, who's kind of like in charge of like the rest of the crew. There's the captain. I don't know his name, but it's uh, Woody Harrelson. Captain Woody Harrelson, we'll say for now. It's Thomas. Um, Captain Thomas. And I think that's it for important people to know about. Um, 
the uh, the model Yaya and her boyfriend are on the cruise for free because she's an influencer, and that's the life of an influencer, apparently. Uh, so what happens on said boat? The rich mingle. Uh, Carl gets jealous that Yaya kind of is interested in a pool guy. Um, one of the rich people makes all the crew go for a swim for their entertainment. There's the captain's dinner, and of course it happens on the one stormy night. Madness ensues on said. This is a spoiler warning, by the way. I always forget to do this. Spoiler warning! <laughs> Spoilers! Thank you, Aiden. <laughs> uh, uh, and so madness ensues on the captain's dinner. Um, like the ship is rocking like crazy. Everybody starts throwing up from seasickness and probably food poisoning as well. Uh, it, everything seems to be all right by the morning some 30 minutes later. Uh, and and then some pirates attack. Because uh, I think this cruise is, if I had to guess, somewhere in the Mediterranean. So like, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so some pirates attack and the ship blows up. Some people get onto it, wash up on some shore on like a remote location. Um, and then it's, uh, society has drastically changed. So someone who was a uh, a maid uh, on the boat is beca- quickly becomes the the leader or the captain of the uh, the shipwrecked remaining survivors, who are the r- rich Russian guy, um, Carl and Yaya, Paul, <clears throat> the guy who was lonely and. There's Rich. also a crew member that we didn't really see before this point. Who's there? Who is, yeah. Who oh, the may or may not. Guy. Yeah. Who may or may not be a pirate or the engine room guy. Um, and they just have to fend for themselves for a little while. Um, Carl eventually starts <laughs> uh, selling his body for pretzel sticks. <laughs> so he'll, he'll sleep with um, Abigail to get pretzel sticks because she's in charge of the supply of that, um, which causes friction with Yaya. Uh, and then Yaya and Abigail go on a walk, discover that this is an not an island, but like right next to a resort. And Abigail may or may not kill Yaya. And that's about the end. So that's your brief synopsis. Uh, we're going to get into it. So first of all, did you guys think this movie was funny? I did yes. not think this was very funny. I, I like, absolutely loved it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, different yeah. takes. Go, go. Um, Aiden can go first, yeah. Sure, so I was trying to remember, I I first wrote in my notes, I don't think I actually laughed once, but that's not true. There was one moment where, I don't remember what the joke is, but it's when the lonely guy who was, like, single after he, like, kills the... Oh yeah, deer thing or whatever. He like on kills the, like on a, the the island. Donkey, he killed. Yeah, he kills like a, a donkey. Yeah, yeah. And he kills it with a rock. And then we cut later to them like he's having like a toast by the fire. And I don't remember what happens, but there was something that I laughed at there. There and was a, that... there was a donkey drawing contest. You laugh at that. And and Carl was putting his hand on like Abigail's oh, back yeah, or something. Oh yeah, I was in there. Oh yeah, I'm just resting my hand. a little more private. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't laugh at like, that. Carl, what are you doing with your hand? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't laugh at that. It was something new with the drawings, but I thought I thought it was oh, funny. Bro. But other than that, I think almost every other beat, I was like, at first, I it 
it was after a joke happened. I was like, oh, that was a joke. I was supposed to laugh there. <laughs> yeah. That's what like that's what this was. Yeah. And then like as I got into the movie, I realized I started to anticipate the more as they were coming. But then even when I knew what it was, I was like, oh man, like I don't know. Like that just that just not gonna make me laugh. I don't really have like an interesting take on that. I just like I think most of the things felt so surface level and predictable to me that I was just like, I don't know. Like the, it's satirical comedy isn't funny when it's like that to me. Dude. Yeah. Sat- satirical comedy is like a, an acquired taste because it's more like situational. And so sometimes it's more like, Oh yeah, that is funny. That's humorous in the situation. And like, that is how life is. Cause satire is like, a reflection of real life, maybe a little exaggerated, right? To and I, emphasize its flaws. So I can see, I guess like, pro- maybe it's not for everyone. My problem or, was or I don't think education. it. I don't think it reflected things like super well. And then I also thought that it was generally like predictable. Um, but yeah, Aiden, let me ask you: this. Did you enjoy Parasite? Did you laugh? I love Parasite. Parasite is a much better movie that did explores the, sa- the same sort of themes, but better. There are but some scenes funny? that make you question? giggle a little bit, but it's not. Parasite isn't trying to be funny in the same way, but there's some funny scenes in Parasite. Okay, I always think it's weird that it's it is labeled a comedy. Yeah, on Parasite is a dark comedy. Yeah. Parasite is not a comedy. I wouldn't call it that. It's no, it is, that is absolutely drama. not what it's trying to do. Like the over, you are not supposed to walk away from that movie being like, "Oh man, that was funny." Like there's yeah, no, like that is not what the. Whereas like with this, oh, you are supposed to have. You were supposed to have been laughing at this like the whole time. So yeah. it's so, different like, in that regard. In my opinion, this Parasite is like a more realistic take on the dark comedy genre. And then this movie is more of a exaggerated. Uh, but Parasite is also genre. exaggerated and absurd. No, no. Like, like the I, stuff <laughs> to, to not, to not spo- like not to spoil Parasite, but the stuff like towards the end. There's a big the twist sub- in Parasite. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. obviously, but the like, ba- I like think that's crazy. Compared like, to this movie, this movie is more on the exaggerated side, and Parasite sure. sticks more to the realistic path. Peter, did you find this movie funny? Just I answer did. that question. I did, and I think a big yeah. part might have to do with the theater vibes. Uh, I was sitting in like a half pack theater, and people around okay. me were laughing as well. So, sure. um, I, I like, dude, like the elevator scene, man, when, uh, Carl was trying to have a conversation with Yaya and the elevator mm-hmm. door kept trying to close on him. Everyone was in, la- everyone's laughing. Really? Yeah. That was, was one of the scenes funny. where I, I did not know that was supposed to be funny until we were like well into it. And I was like, oh, okay. That was, it's, like, then, I think joke. Peter's right. It's a, it's a big theater kind of issue. Sure. If you're all alone, it's like. I don't know about this, but if you if you're surrounded by people who are laughing, it might be a little more obvious. And also, anyways, um, continue. Like for example, in Act Two, the big crazy dinner. Uh, first of all, we we're talking about like the uh, you know the toilets exploding, sewage overflow, all that. People were dying in their seats, man. Like we were we were laughing. It's so um, long and, though. And then it and like then, gives you the punchline <laughs> and then it just stays. It gets like you get and, to the you understand what the joke is and then it just keeps going. Well, I mean I like I like how like they're giving innovative ways to uh to to make to to to, to sort of like give you the punchline in a way. And also <laughs> when uh, when the Russian dude announced that Mayday, Mayday, we're gonna crash. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we saw people packing up, and we we're just like, yo, okay. And then he's like, it's just a joke. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, that's so good. 
because like it was actually like we thought because i think i take that most people in the theater have seen the trailer so we know the boat boat's gonna sink at some point yeah. but we don't know how it's gonna sink so like when we saw the storm and like everyone just like like things going crazy chaos ensues we assumed that was it so we thought that was the actual shipwreck yeah but then it is misleading yeah yeah but then obviously there's the russian dudes playing uh playing on the pa and dude and the russian dude and the captain debating political philosophy hilarious just throwing quotes at okay the quote thing was funny yeah yeah that, that actually was funny. when they were pulling like that they, yeah that was, i like yeah. that part and yeah. okay we'll i have a lot this. more but then i'm just gonna give one last example the fact that okay this joke did not click with me in the theater I found it a lot. Uh, I found it really funny though. After I've seen the movie and seen a couple reviews of the movie, it's about the food. So I thought initially it was just seasickness, but then it's because they they asked all the crew members they to go took a break. Swim. Yeah, yeah. The kitchen guys they literally can't do anything with the food, so it was it, like seafood it was sat outside out. for like thirty yeah. plus minutes. It obviously was yeah. bad, and that's also why the setup. I think. That's yeah, also why the ship isn't prepared because the engine room people also left. Yes, and that yeah. too. And then, mm. and then I was like, "Oh, so like Woody Harrelson having McDonald's on the boat, hilarious, you know?" But then it was actually funnier because him having burger. Was that a joke? Thing. We were no, supposed. Like, I was supposed to laugh there. Like oh, no, that's. No, no, no. I think. Yeah. I think it's something they realized afterwards. Like, wow, that's very cleverly done. I did not realize it in the theater. So. Yeah. Well, I thought it was yeah, great. we'll touch on. I loved it. We'll touch on all of these individual bits later. We'll get to the dinner scene. And yes. we'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back to all these. Yes. We'll circle back or maybe triangle back. Um, <laughs> hey. Anyways, my thoughts, my thoughts, hey, I'm just... Hey, I'm just the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, my thoughts on the comedy, I like I said, I, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I was laughing. I was probably the only person laughing for most it of it. It was you and some, then the people yeah, behind me were laughing too. And that was it. That was pretty much it. I think... I think there was a, a feeling of like, you know, I don't want to laugh too loudly because it's quiet and there's not <laughs> wait, a lot wait, of people. Wait, wait, okay, wait. Sorry, I, Alex. I'm just going to interrupt you for one second. Aiden, uh, did you God almost damn. turn into the Joker in this one? No, no, no. I, oh, yeah, I no, remember. No, I remember. Because like, who was that for? <laughs> that, was for that was for Thor. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> no, that that was like people were laughing all through Thor, and I was like, this is the stupidest fucking comedy of ever. <laughs> that was funny. not funny. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so that, I kind of had. I kind of had a similar reaction with Black Adam. People were laughing, and I was like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that's the kind of thing. And, like. That's the thing I think it made me lose my faith a little bit in humanity that people thought that was so funny. Then that's why I felt <laughs> that way. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, for, for a triangle for sadness, though, keep it on track. Uh, I thought it was funny. Some things that I wrote down that I thought were funny. Um, when when they're fighting about the money thing in the Uber and the, the rear view window wiper is like squeaking <laughs> awkwardly, I thought that was so funny. Um, then later at the dinner scene, when someone had vomited over the side and it was covering a window and then you just see like oh that was very funny like, dripping down yeah. someone's like squeegeeing <laughs> yeah. away but it's like so subtle i thought that was really good i loved that actually um, that and probably my funniest the thing my funniest the thing that i found the most humorous was um it's after the storm has passed and there's that old we see that pirates are coming the old 
British couple. And it's actually, a lot of it is sound design too, which is great. So let me set the scene. So it's, it's dawn is breaking. The storm has passed post dinner crisis. Pirates Dude, are coming. We know that. No one woman. else knows let that. Let me be the old woman. I'll, I'll voice. You don't get to be the you. old woman. No. no. Shut up. <laughs> um, and, and so we say that pirates are coming. Then I don't remember what happens first, but at some point you hear the sound of something hit the deck, like a small metallic object, and it starts rolling. And then we cut to a a shot of the old couple who were, they had gotten their money from manufacturing explosives, uh, specifically hand grenades. And then <laughs> it rolls to the old woman's feet. And the old woman says, Peter. Oh, darling, is this one of ours? <laughs> and then the old man's like, he looks at it and for a second he's like, oh, fuck. And then it cuts to an extreme wide and you see a like a tiny explosion. Yeah. It was, I love that bit. So that much. was hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I, that was the one moment where I was like, there are multiple things about that where, and I'm usually not a stickler for this kind of thing, but it was like logical inconsistencies. Like, so are they looking out? Can they see the pirates approaching? And if so, why does she react like that? Also, the pirates blew up the boat? That's not what pirates do. Why the fuck would they do know. that? I was like, what? Um, like, I was so confused. That is weird. Why would the pirates blow um, up a boat? They want to get money first... from it. Why would they sink yeah, it? I think, I, think for... <laughs> I think for your first bit, um, I think they probably came from a different direction and then they were on the, the boat. The grenade comes in then... from that. Okay, sure. That might that might be a screen direction issue, like just confusing. Um, I I'm just gonna assume that it could work. As for why the ship explodes, I I I, I can only imagine that it was a mistake on the pirates' part, right? Sure. Like, like maybe the grenade was a bad idea to use, but I think like maybe it was that thing about the boiler room, how they had you know left the okay. boiler room for a bit, and then. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. Yeah. It is kind of weird that it blew up. So like that it was a huge explosion too. Yeah. So, like maybe there was Well, it definitely was the there. grenade exploded, then there was a different explosion. It was like two yeah. little explosions. So maybe you're right, like it was a boiler room thing or but I don't know. If if it was, it wasn't well established though, to be fair. Yeah. Um anyways, let's talk about some other things. I think from a technical standpoint this is a very well-made film. Like it looks I agree. very nice. The, the cinematography is well done. Um, I don't know if I can. Oh, uh, w- one sequence that I really liked was with that yellow briefcase. I re- I don't remember what it was. Oh yeah. But like, I liked how it was framed and we're yeah. following the briefcase. And then there's that then nice there wide video. shot. The wide shot when it's dropped into the ocean and you see, I just love how all of the, cast are like doing things and there's a lot of like busy work going on yeah. i thought that was a good direction standpoint yeah i was gonna and, say i really liked uh oh sorry you can go peter you go dude uh, okay i just want to talk about one thing about the yellow briefcase and it was eventually revealed the a little briefcase that has spent all this effort trying to get onto the yacht contains none other than nutella it was oh was that what it was me. i forgot yeah. about that Okay. Yeah, that was kind of funny, but I also kind of didn't funny. get what the point of that was. But anyway, whatever. I didn't, I didn't laugh for that one. Yeah, 
Um, but anyway, I was going to say, I, I liked the visual style quite a bit as well. I thought, like, they used a lot of wides and a lot of just, like, hanging on a wide for a long time. I, I've talked about this before. I love that. Like, I, I've been seeing that more and more in films. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a trend where the trend of hanging on a wide and just letting you look at it enough that you understand what's going yeah. on. Like, there's a shot like that when um, when they're on the island, the Russian guy's wife's body washes up. And we just kind of cut to this without context. It's like a wide from above. And it like takes you a second to understand what's happening, but then you do. And then once you understand, it cuts to a close-up. And I, I, I like that. Um, there was also a lot of really good composition in a lot of the wides. And I really appreciate that. An example I can think of is when uh, it's near the beginning of the yacht segment of the movie when Paula is giving like the pep talk to all the all the crew members. And they're like progressively getting more and more excited. And so then when yeah. they, when they like all stand up and they're all kind of clapping and it's kind of like, funny, a, yeah. it was like a wide-ish medium lens and it shows the room well. And yeah, I think in general, like the cinematography did a good job to show the spaces as um, like wide and open and feeling hollow and empty. Like, I think from the very beginning, you see that in the modeling uh, agency. I think you see that in the yacht. And then, like, I have a point, like, the yacht doesn't look luxurious. It's always overcast. Like, it doesn't look like they're really having a good time. And when they talk to each other, like, they're not really connecting and there's nothing there. So I think it did a good job of painting this really, like, this picture of a very, like, hollow and empty existence. Yeah, and I think... I almost wonder if some of the issues I had with the movie was that there weren't enough wides, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like some of the some of the scenes that were weird were maybe like it just shouldn't have been in a medium shot or medium close up, right? Like I think we'll and we'll get into it. Like there's a whole bit in like act one. I don't know, I think it's like this idea of like I'm a little too close for it to be funny. Because sure. comedy is pain plus. Distance, I think that right? might have been so, my problem too, actually. There's yeah, it's it's moments. your, it's like I don't know how to feel because I I'm not far away enough for it to be funny. It's a little too close where I'm like, oh, am I supposed to care about these characters? But they're also yeah. acting strangely, which I definitely felt that way about Carl, which was that, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to, like, side with him yeah. a little bit or empathize with him a little bit. Like, I don't really understand what you're saying about Carl's behavior. Well, okay, I don't I don't agree with that. I think from a context perspective and from the, the way the movie is framed and shot, you're supposed to side with Carl because Carl is supposed to be, at the very beginning, we see that he is nobody. He is trying to get into the modeling industry. And... Once he's in, he's sort of like the person who doesn't really enjoy some of the things that you must do to stay in, to stay in the industry, to stay relevant, to <clears throat> to keep dating his girlfriend, you know? So he is supposed to be, I think, the audience's anchor point when it comes to viewing the world and viewing this uh, movie as a whole, I think. I think you're right on that, but I also think that he's not without flaws, I think, and I think those flaws we are made to understand are flaws, yeah. right? Like, if that makes sense. So, not everything Carl does is like the right thing or a good thing. And I think, so I think there's a little bit of both in that. Well, I think as as like as as an audience member, I can understand and relate to why he made these choices and why like it would make sense for him to make these choices in the moment. 
Yeah, I think you do understand him. I, uh, yeah, I don't. I I definitely had a problem with it. I think I also had a general on the point of like, like Yaya and Carl are like outsiders on the yacht. Like, it's like they're kind of not though. Like, I didn't really understand. I think the movie was trying to present them as like our surrogate to like get into it because they're like kind yeah. of different from the rest. They're like a kind of new money. Uh, like they're young. Like they. New money, but they don't. They don't have a lot of money because her card gets declined, and they're there for free, right? So they're not. They're not in the money, right? Right. Well, but yeah, I I don't know. I also felt like at the same time, like they're definitely, like superficial enough, and like they have enough money that like they're not. Maybe they're not going on this kind of cruise, but they have. They are rich models, like a hundred percent. And I was like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I did like. I felt like they weren't contrasting enough sometimes with some of the other people on the yacht. Okay, I think one example that really, like, for me proves. Uh, I I think like this proves your point is when he was talking about the deck cleaning guy. You know how like the guy who had his shirt off and the mm-hmm. person Yaya was looking at. Mm-hmm. So when he approached Paula, I felt like his. He's trying to, you know, so just give him a warning, like stop flirting with my girlfriend or like maybe just keep your shirt on. But then he didn't realize that the consequence of him chatting with the manager would result in him getting fired. And so like seeing like from, I think like the way the, these scenes were framed, it's, you really see it from Carl's perspective, like how Carl's seeing him saying goodbye to the crew, hugging everyone. He obviously like knows everybody very well, is friends with them. And then sort of Carl's this sort of shock and also sort of a, like a sadness that you see on his face after this has Do happened. We? Yeah. You see sadness on his face? I, I don't know. Like, at, least, at least there's confusion. I think, no, no. Well, okay, confusion, whatever. He's confused at first, but when he realizes what he did, he's like, oh shit, he feels bad. It's yeah, guilt, like, it's not sadness. I, I think sure. like he, he, he's like, we see, like if I, I think anyone else on the ship will understand what, you know, reporting this will result into, sure. but like he doesn't. So he thinks okay. it would just be like a, like a slap in the wrist type of situation, but then he doesn't realize that it's actually resulted in him getting fired. I do think we're supposed to think Carl is kind of an empty guy though, like kind of lacking in like personality yeah. in that, like his, his whole existence is based on the value of his looks on superficial aspects. Like, so I think right from the very beginning, like we're supposed to, we see that like what is trendy, what looks and aesthetics are trendy has shifted. And because he doesn't have anything like within him, he can't really change anything. Um, and I think like he's like close to empathizing, but because he's so like divorced from like how people actually are and like because his whole life is transactional and and superficial like you're saying like he can never really like relate to things and can never truly empathize i think that's great no i think no hold on peter i think he's i think aiden's right especially as you look towards the end of the movie you're like you i think in act three i don't think you're supposed to look at carl's actions and the way he behaves with yaya and abigail I don't think you're supposed to look at that and be like, yeah, I get why you did that. I think that's all like just him making one bad decision after another. 
Well, okay. Anyways, I, I think we've I gone think, off on quite a tangent. Okay, here let me let me let me make one final comment. I think I think closing that's, arguments on yes. this point. I think I think I that's don't know great, how we though. got here. <laughs> that, it, it's great that the movie is showing that because the fact that he is a model means that his whole existence is about people appreciating the superficial aspects of him, and even like during the professional career, during his dating life, and eventually even on the island. He's just used as an object. First, he's used as an object as a symbol of beauty. Then he's used as an object as a partner for influence. And then eventually, he's used as an object for pleasure. So, like, like all throughout, he's used as a superficial object, which I think is making a statement there. But, and, uh, but okay, and then I'll just say, I have one sentence to say. I think, okay, one, one, one sentence to say, I think that we understand that pretty soon into the movie, and then it never really builds on that and that's one of my general problems with the movie in general we understand the point and then it doesn't offer anything else let's come back to this we'll yeah. try and go back to this towards yeah. <laughs> the end i have a point that covers very close to weight so we started talking about the technical aspects of the movie <laughs> and then got into the nature of modeling and whatnot so we'll cut we'll try and go back to it Anyways, speaking of triangles, I want to talk about the title. So that was one of the first things Peter asked me after he saw the movie, and I had not seen it. He wanted me to guess, why is it called Triangle of Sadness? Now, if you've seen the movie, they do say the title. Very early on, in fact. They're talking, yeah, thank you, Peter, for drawing a triangle on your face. So in the movie, as Carl's like auditioning to be a model, one of the... Um, one of the what do you call not a judge like one of the people who's like hiring is trying to give him casting yeah is trying to give him points like pointers and tips and he says you you have a little triangle of sadness between your eyes which is like between your eyebrows and like the bridge of your nose and he's like you need to lessen the the triangle of sadness or something Mm -hmm. so that's what's said in the movie but i have a feeling that it means more than that it's like parasite where the title is maybe misleading and it means more than one thing um so well now peter, that i'm thinking i think oh yeah peter you're going yeah P- peter was thinking that it may have had something to do with the bermuda triangle no that's not where the movie the takes movie. place <laughs> okay which is like a fair that's what yeah, i thought going into it too i thought it was good. A shipwreck right yeah. yeah yeah but then it has nothing the shipwreck has nothing to do with bermuda triangle or it's pirates though yeah. so. Um, anyways, I do have a thought of what it actually means. I, and this is what I responded to Peter with. I think the triangle of sadness is capitalism. Cause I mean, that's what, that's what the movie is about. That's what the satire yeah. is. And so I think it's a triangle of sadness in that you've got the bottom, like, so make, make the triangle point upwards. Right. And then you've right. got a wide bottom of a lot of workers who are supporting fewer and fewer people as you go up. And so that's that's what I think it is. It's a, sure. Capitalism is a triangle of sadness. Aiden, what do you I, you seem to have some ideas? Yeah, I also think that like it's a very like childlike title, like, and I think that that's intentional. Like, so if you were we were talking about like the emptiness of Carl, and we were talking about superficiality, like, if you asked a child to like explain how they feel about something, like they'd be like, "I'm sad," and someone who is not developed emotionally and has doesn't have like that internal maturity might also describe things like damn i'm I'm really sad right now like when there's turmoil you know what i mean instead of being able to actually articulate sure. 
like real problems. And I think that that has to do with. I think people can like, be sad too, but <laughs> no. But I mean, like, like you would say that if something like really, really bad happened to you, or or if you were trying to empathize with somebody, right? Like, I'll talk. That's a more specific okay. example. And you saw something bad happen to someone, and you'd be like, "Oh, damn, I'm I'm sad." Like it feels like a superficial statement that sure. misses okay. the mark. Um, and so I, I feel like that has to do with like the emptiness of these people, the lack of empathy, blah blah, blah under capitalism, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, that's my interesting. Point. <laughs> blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's an interesting point. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> um, Peter Peter picked something out from Act One. There's a great uh, little title thing that happens when Yaya is doing her model show. So it seems that, first of all, it seems that Carl wants to be a model, but maybe isn't. Oh, no, he, he's modeled in the past and he wants to keep modeling, but he, he seems to be not quite uh, employed, whereas Yaya is um, like making a lot of money as a model. And then so, so we go to one of her shows and in the background, and there's there's also a voiceover, but in the background, there's a um, a title that says cynicism disguised as optimism so peter has some thoughts apparently yeah which is the uh the title of this like whole model show by the way uh first of all like i just think it's hilarious that like in fashion it's cynicism disguised as optimism like how fashion has gone to a point where it's so detached and you have to have these abstract meaning with, with like everything you're wearing which is just like like you know fashion is about looking good i think in my opinion and now you have these people wearing things that's just crazy and like ridiculous that you won't see people wear on the street so i that yeah go ahead go ahead i saw that more as like if you are like an actual activist and you're like a grassroots level and you like want to improve the world then like you'll often say things that would come across as cynical and you'd be like because you're like all oh, the world sucks but we need to band together and whatever and i took that like i took it as like a big corporate organization co-opting this and saying like oh yeah like they like they say it's optimism but it's just cynicism but we're trailblazing and we everyone's equal and it's one of my greater points about like i think it's about focusing on aesthetic equality as opposed to material reality of equality whoa that's um, that's good yeah. that's good yeah yeah I to love, kind of like, I love, to, I like hold that. on hold on to kind of bridge the gap is for context um before the show starts there's a voiceover as i mentioned and it's talking about climate change right which is important for yeah. why the cynicism as optimism might have to do with climate activism and i think that's how i read it as well Aiden. um and i think it's kind of like well it's a satire so it's it's a satirical mocking of the like superficial corporate messaging that like you said co-ops um it's 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 putting up a sign and being like we get it where it's no you don't you don't really get it you're pretending to, that you get it by saying you know being very vocal about it but also yeah. There's nothing behind it. That's it. It's just the messaging. It's hollow. It's plastic. It's fake, right? Sorry, yeah. Peter has some thoughts on this. Yeah, and uh, and also, I think this is just uh, overall, I think it, it can be interpreted as just like the what this movie is about. 
you know like we we, we are supposed a triangle to triangle of sadness this this is this this movie is sort of like a comedic interpretation of like a really cynical interpretation of sorry a comedic representation of a cynical interpretation of like the hierarchy of society and the power structure and we're back from our break that i forgot Woo! to mention Sorry. so um we're still on act one. Oh my god act <laughs> one is kind of weird this is just like a point i have um it seems like a little bit directionless and there's some issues i had with like pacing where i just you know like i was like i don't know where this is going and i think also some of the worst examples of how am i supposed to feel about this like aiden what you're saying yeah. we're in act one it's yeah, like oh is, was that funny was that like a thing that i'm supposed to i don't know it's kind of yeah. weird that that we take we it takes so long for us to get to the yacht i think as well and it takes so long for us to get to the island i think this movie needed to get to the island yeah. way sooner than it did because when this is in the general point of pacing when we get to the island we have to take so long to set up the situation and build up to it. It feels like a new movie started. And I think that would have been a lot smoother if we just had a shorter... And like like we were talking about, not much actually happens in Act 1. So we don't need that much. Or Act 2. So we don't yeah. need that much of either of those things. They should have been way shorter. And I've my general problem with this movie is that it makes its point. You understand its point. And then it just keeps going and it just keeps mm -hmm. saying the same thing before moving on. And it wastes like 10 minutes every time it does this. And I think also like act, act three or like part three on the island is the best part. It's so yeah. fun. And that's like, it's easily the best part. And okay. thematically, right? I agree. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I but, almost feel, I but. almost feel like everything <laughs> up until the, the pirates that could have been the first half of the movie. Like that I could agree. be the midpoint and then switch to the island for the midpoint. Because that's a good so midpoint split, uh, switch. Yeah. Anyways, like if you structure the movie like that, I think thematically it will be a lot stronger. But in terms of viewing experience, I think it will be a lot weaker as well. Because I feel like part one is about us meeting Yaya and Kyle for the first time, getting to know them a little bit. Part two is well, about yeah. setting up the supporting cast and also give woody harrelson a moment to shine which he did by the way and then act three is about the the culminate the culmination of everything coming together and you know supporting structures falling down what happens now type of thing sure yeah i built bit on that i what i wrote down in my notes is that we're talking in talking about equality act one is we start we introduce the concept of equality within a capitalist system where that you are divided into different underclasses and everything is transactional. So we have that at the dinner table. And then we go into act two, which is a microcosm of society as a whole. Like we have classes very clearly represented. We have like mm -hmm. the people working in the engine room. Then we have the people kind of in the middle who are like the, the onboard crew. Then we have the super, super rich. And then in the end, we see the disillusion of everything in absence of it all. Like that's when equality, that's when you get equality, when there's actually material equality. And then very quickly, there is no longer material equality and we see the same system start to build up. Sure. And also, and I think I think, yeah. one introduced a <laughs> couple of fun points. Like in terms of the, like the modeling stuff, which I think we'll touch on later, um, they, like introduce 
several things that I did not know before watching the movie. I thought it was it was good. We, but anyway, in my point, they could have done all of that way sooner, way way quicker. I mean, I they think yeah, done the just, first part, yeah. I think if they were a little more selective with what they showed, yeah. I think you could have yeah. M- yeah. almost like like the exact same things happen. You know, let the crew go for a swim because I think that's a great scene and like idea. The dinner scene, like I think you can have all of that. Just yeah. cut some of the weaker bits out uh-huh. and yeah. squish it together a little bit, right? I think. So you think like, like it's not like why. The, uh, yeah, why are we not on the yacht 12 minutes in at the Catalyst, right? Yeah. Like, around there. That's, it doesn't make sense yeah. to me why we draw out that first act. Anyways. Like, um, I think there are just so many little gems in there that the director doesn't want to cut out. But, the, like, these gems don't really serve as a story as much. Like, for example, yeah. the in the beginning, it's like, show me your H&M, show me your Balenciaga, you know? Like, that part yeah. didn't really play into the story as much. But it's also, like, by itself, a very great moment of showcasing, like, you know, brands, corporations, you know, the, and their audiences, and how that affects the model as well. Um, yeah, I, I, it's also, like, like that's just, like, a writing thing. So it starts at the writing. It's not just, like, you know, he went overboard directing it. But mm-hmm. Ruben did both. He did write and direct. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to move on from this point. Um, yeah. Here's a point that I like to bring up anytime a movie does this. Turn your fucking ringer off. Why are the people, like the youth of the movie, why is a ringer on so that I can hear the typing noises, I can hear the picture taking Well, it's on purpose, right? Like you, you're supposed to know loud it's, and clear that it's not happening. realistic no one yeah. has the ringer on except yeah. older people yeah right? you have like, it on vibrate at best yeah yeah it's i it makes me so mad because it's just un, it's unrealistic i know yeah. i get it i'm a filmmaker i've made films and i i know that it's nice to have sound effects but it's it makes me cringe so bad when someone who is an influencer and who should know better than to have the ringer on, yeah. right? It takes yeah. me out of it. I'm yeah. like, why are you doing that? Siri, fuck off. I swear to God. I need to change my Siri settings. This is a weekly problem. Anyways, um, I think we actually, we kind of covered this. Act two is also weird and directionless, but that's kind of, we kind of got into that already. There's just, yeah. there's I not love a lot it going though. on. Like, I enjoy it's the fun. act two offered. Yeah. It's fun, but there's not a lot going on, and it's all just very stretched out. Yeah, Anyways, I, yeah. I think we, like, yeah, sorry, like, like the sinking, the sinking of the ship is so long. It's so long, and it's like it's we also, kind of, it's also not sinking. Either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, but, like, but like the yeah. chaos scene, it's just like it's like, oh my god, man! Like, let's go. I, I literally long, like there was that point like, in the theater. <laughs> that was when I started to turn on this movie because I was really giving it like benefit of the doubt after mm-hmm. that point, and it, that was when I was really like okay man like let's fucking get to it like come on it was like it was like half an hour of like barfing and pooping jokes like yeah and <laughs> I, I didn't laugh once i was like this isn't uh, i didn't i didn't think it was funny at all Dude, i thought it was i thought it was funny but i i thought too it was funny but for the joke. i'm not i'm not above poop jokes so i'm not I, either I, I fell into it but anyways um let's talk about go for a swim and i like that yeah. that's the name of the bit um that was a really fun thing and i think it it is a really um it's really um it's, it's a relatable scene too i feel like i don't know about relatable yeah. who are you relating to but well when i was like a bus boy at a restaurant like that kind of shit like oh, nothing mean, that extreme okay but sure yeah i i was just thinking like i think it's a good satirical like 
it's making a good point that scene in that like the rich people feel bad for having people wait on them and so then are trying to force the wait staff to have fun but without yeah. really and it's like that idea of like fake equality like okay, that's right. not you're I making, exactly me, do right. this. You're making me do this for your enjoyment it's like and, i'm entertaining you in like it's a you know and doing yeah. it without recognizing the coercive power you hold because yeah. of your material domination and it's like they don't want to do it they have they and they're very clearly like no i don't want to go for a swim yeah. and they're making them right yeah. i think i think it's great i think it was a really good scene yeah i like that too peter has a different take on it though and he's frowning Dude, i uh <laughs> i said i have a slightly different take but then you guys sort of covered it so it's okay fine. <laughs> well ba- basically it's like like what you think other people want is not necessarily what they actually want that type of thing and also i love that like before at the very beginning of the yacht sequence we see like uh all the uh serving staff grouped together it's like uh you just do whatever they want you know uh they tell you to do something it's always yes sir yes ma'am and then after all this we're going to get a big fucking tip you know yeah. we're we're grinding yeah. we're going for the bag and then i love like the waitress's acting was just peak like you can yeah, see she was from great. her facial expression yeah. that she wants to say no but then she also wants the tips like she wants the financial benefit of that but then she knows that because like she has certain responsibility on the ship that she just can't let go and is also inappropriate so like well, her switching back and forth is like are you saying no to me uh it's, it's like, not yes, just no no yes that was peter great. it's Loved not it. just the tip it's also that she has responsibility to behave in both ways right she's not exactly yes her job doesn't allow her to go for a swim but her job also doesn't allow her to say no so it's a catch-22 yeah, yeah, which is the first time I've ever used that word in a sentence. Apparently. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself in this moment. Nice. Anyways, uh, shortly after the, that was a um, real catch twenty-two. You're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me so quickly. Um, anyways, uh, after after the gopher swim bit, we get the dinner scene, which is also I think really uh, it's good, but also probably way too long and drawn yeah. out. Like it, it, it really does build for quite some time, and I mean, I'm, all, I'm, I, I like it when you build something up nicely so that like it doesn't happen too quickly. But I think, I think maybe it was a bit much. Yeah. The whole thing. I love, I love the leaning and how they have to lean yeah, with the ship, fair. and so they're leaning like super diagonally. And I thought that was, I thought that was fun. Yeah, I, I thought that like. I think that you just hit a point of diminishing returns where it was just like, yeah, it's good. It's good to build up and it's good to get there. But there's a certain point where like it thought it was escalating the scene, but it wasn't. It was just doing the same thing, but a little mm, creepier. Yeah. And it's like, we've got, we've gotten to the point of the scene at this point. You need to wrap it up. And it, it didn't do it. Yeah. And then it gets into what I call thinly veiled preaching. So there's this quote off and we've alluded to it before and I think you guys have different takes on it. So I'm I'm interested to hear what you think, Mm -hmm. but Woody Harrelson's character and the Russian rich guy who they describe as an American communist and a Russian capitalist, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, They start quoting, they have like a quote off, like an argument, not an argument, like 
where they just start quoting famous people to, I think, prove their own point. I think that's what the idea was, right? Yes. Um, so they're quoting Mark Twain. And, and I love that it starts out um, just based off memory, but very quickly they have to go on Google and they're like yeah. Googling quotes to prove their point. Um, but I think it devolves into like Woody Harrelson's character just saying what the director feels. And it's a, it's a moment where it's not subtle anymore. The satire, the commentary isn't subtle. They're telling us it's dialogue yeah. now. We've moved from subtext to dialogue, and I didn't really appreciate that. You're talking and about also, the part... I think there was Sorry. diminishing returns yeah. on this as well. I think it just goes on for way too long. So I agree. I agree, but okay, are you talking about the part where he's like, I know you have a good heart in you, blah, 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 and as the part where it's the director just saying what he feels? Um, it's the... So I what I'm talking about is like the start of the quote-off from like when they're sitting in the room and he's sweating... Yeah. Through them being in the captain's compartment yeah. and like using the intercom. Like that's, okay. I'm talking about all of that. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that, yeah. So yeah. Uh, what I liked about this scene was that I felt like Woody Harrelson's character was just like play. <laughs> that was a funny word. Harrelson. Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, whatever. Woody Harold Davidson, whatever. Um, but yeah. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I felt like he's just playing this game because like, again, like, and then he gets into it enough, like towards he actually is like ranting at the end. But like, I felt like at the beginning, he was just like playing, playing along with, and again, it's just like an aesthetic, like it's a dick measuring competition. They're not even really arguing about what, like, like actual reality like capitalism versus communism they're just trying to one-up each other and like who can yeah, be okay. the smartest person and dominate in the marketplace of ideas or whatever um yeah and then i think that like you get some payoff to that when they're on the island the russian guy like tries to use a quote to abigail and she's just like what the fuck are you talking about and it just <laughs> does, it's, it's just nothing yeah. yeah no i think okay yeah that's a good point I still feel the way I feel, but I think, I think, I think there's that. And I think also there's, there's maybe something to be said about how, and, and Woody Harrelson does mention this, like he's got so much wealth himself. Like that's his boat from my understanding. He owns the super yacht. And so he's, he's a capitalist or sorry, he's a, he's a socialist or communist in theory, but not mm -hmm. in practice. And so it's that yeah. idea of like, superficiality which i think transcends this whole movie right mm -hmm. and so i think i think there's an element of that where all of his words are kind of hollow given the fact that he owns this boat um and doesn't act on any of these things so he's just saying it um I, but still i do feel like it was a little bit a little preachy and I, uh, overdrawn yeah. out so i think it was drawn out for sure yeah um now Listeners may be wondering, why haven't we talked about Carl and Yaya in for so long? It's because they're not in the fucking oh, yeah. anywhere in Act 2. They disappeared for 40 minutes of the movie. Like, I don't yeah. know what happened, but... So, he's jealous about the pool guy. And then, and then they, they have do sex. some funny role play, like Parasite. Yeah. And then they're sort of at the dinner, but not really. Well, and okay, so there were two other. Just, and then there's like one shot where they're so, where they're so they were at the bar, 
and then the oh. the the code the coding guys trying to get them Rolex watches. Yaya and the yes, sorry, there was that as well. Uh, so and then then too. after then and after then, that was the role play. I think because so, they were yeah. drunk from. And the then bar. there was also conversation with a Russian couple, conversation with the English couple, and uh, eventually like at the dinner scene as well. Conversation with the English couple was at the dinner scene. So I think okay, my issue yeah. is that. They, the movie kind of can't decide from whose perspective we're supposed to be seeing events. Well, so, I, mean, I don't really the, mind that, though, because I feel like the, this is a great opportunity for you to explore some of the supporting characters, because I feel like Yahya and Carl, we have a good understanding of where they're at, and just seeing brief moments of them in Act 2 is good enough. But like in terms of the Russian guy, in terms of the, the coding guy, in terms of the German woman, you know, we don't know their backstory. And just seeing their backstory getting explored and developed in Act 2, I think is a good way to... And then some stories, obviously, like the English couple, their story gets concluded by the end of Act 2 as well. So, you know, I think it's... I think... Exploring I, different characters is fine. In my I think you have a point. Like, like it's nice to explore the secondary character, sure. But it's it's that idea of point of view, right? And I think... What really bothers me is the fact that Carl and Yaya are so important at the beginning, so important that, like, they're the only characters we meet, and then so important in Act 3, like, because the whole thrust of Act 3, or the third part, is what's happening between Carl and Yaya, and yet they're seemingly absent for most of uh, Act 2. Like, you can have scattered moments of, yeah, this is what the secondary characters are doing, but when it's 20 minutes plus of secondary characters and i have no idea where yaya and carl are like the dinner scene like it we never see their reaction to it right or yeah. maybe one shot where they're like oh isn't that weird but like they're incidental like it doesn't matter none of the events are affecting them and so that that really bugs me and i i think that's i think that's a fair criticism of the movie yeah. is that it loses its main characters for quite some time yeah and it can it can flesh out the other characters while just having like literally a 30 second interaction between yaya and exactly. carl in the middle well of it. i think i think you can't ex like the the points that uh, the the director brings up in the second act cannot be delivered as effectively if they use Car carl and yaya as the main characters featured in these mirrors then pick different main characters like yeah like restructure the script. Also, like what points? Like what? It, like it's not saying that much in Act Two. Like at Especially no point in the, in the movie is it Dude, really saying, saying a lot in the dinner scene. Yeah. So like, okay. Well, anyways, so like if you're if if the point is wow, rich people eat weird food, then show Yaya and Carl trying to fit in and trying to eat yeah. the weird food. Why am I not seeing their reaction to what the food is? We never do. It's, yeah, it's like, I, I, I literally, I wrote in my book, like, am I supposed to think that this food is, like, disgusting? Like, I, like, I don't know. I didn't, like, how am I, you know what I mean? Like, it keeps showing the food as if I'm supposed to be, like, oh, fancy rich people food is, like, gross. But it's, like, you, to be, like, progressive, you don't have to be anti-fine dining. Like, what the fuck is the point no, here? No, no, and if they cut to, if they cut to Yaya and Carl, then you get a bit of, like, the different reaction to it. Also, okay, I that, just have, that, like. That's a good take. But I also I, think, like, the only dish that you're supposed to be disgusted by is, like, the the transparent jelly-looking thing. 
that does not look advertising whatsoever. That was funny. It, I don't. I didn't find that. That was more like. I don't think that's disgusting. I don't think no, the jello. Like, like you're not supposed to look at really it. Is that really what like you know highest of high in terms of dining can deliver you? You know, They're, like yeah. that. Also, I think just a side point, but I think mocking the food that rich people eat in like fine dining that's more than like treaded territory like we've seen that that's overdone that joke is so old and isn't there like there's a whole movie about that coming out in november the menu right like no that's very different that's okay okay. but you know rich people eat weird food okay so what um anyways my question is what does the dinner scene and even um the what was it what was it calling it the pool let's go for a swim let's go for a what swim. do those sequences because they're they're not scenes they're sequences several yeah. scenes together what do yeah. those sequences have to do with yaya and carl what is carl and yaya absolutely reaction? nothing exactly so that's my yeah. that's my that's something i i take issue with they i even if they're not like the central part of it i need to know either what they think of it or how it affects them you just just, have to show their reactions that's all it is you don't have to even focus on them too much but yeah yeah so that drives me crazy anyways let's move on um the island we really want to talk about the island it seems peter has a lot to say about the island peter what do you think about this island which may or may not have been an island pretty island uh oh good okay (laughs) Dude, by the way, like the whole donkey situation, like I was uh, w- when we first heard like the I don't even know, like the moaning, not moaning, screaming. I don't know if that do we know uh, that that was the donkey because it sounded that like was the else. donkey at the beginning as well. So like, they thought it's some like predatory animal that's gonna kill them. I knew it wasn't. It sounded like a bird, like a yeah, weird like bird. I was like, what kind of animals sound like that? Like you know, that sounds yeah. like yeah, uh, I don't know. That, that was a, that was a weird sound to me. Anyway. Okay, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about the other. Yo, so I have to get more specific. Okay, well, yes. Peter, we, we do this discussion point thing. So Peter sent me some things about how, how sudden status changes oh, and yes. reversal of things. Ba- basically, when they get to the island, you know, any sense of class is thrown up in the air because there's there's nothing they're beholden to. The money, money means nothing on the island. You know, it's, it's the... The circumstances change everything and they change the class system and structure and how people interact with each other. So instead of, so the rich people are now useless because they have, they have no useful skills. The people with the skills, you know, can quickly rise to power. Peter, you have some thoughts though, hopefully. Yeah. So I think, I think that's like you clearly, like, like Aiden said, like, you know where the movie is going as soon as you get to the island. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool to see, like, the, the, the group of people that they have in, in the group. So you have the sort group. of, like, the, 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 the perfect example of a middle-class person, which is Paula. And then she's trying to preserve her place in the power structure despite her not, like, she's mainly, like, in terms of the, in the original system, She's mainly the person who's serving. He's not the person that's enjoying. But she still, regardless, wants to preserve the power system. She's like the cop. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say, she's like the police upholding and preserving the system. 
Yeah, even though she is and, not technically like the elite herself, yeah. Exactly, and doesn't yeah. and doesn't necessarily benefit from the system herself. And you have people like like Abigail and the engine room guy who's trying to sort of get higher in the system using the situation. And I think it's very interesting because like we we have a scene where the engine room guy and I think the Russian dude or like another male in the group, they were just having a chat on the beach and looking back during the second act that would have never happened like their, right, yeah. the class structure yeah. has kept them so far apart that they don't even have opportunities to interact with each other not mentioned to have a friendly conversation but in the third act that happens that opportunity is created by taking away the supporting structures around the people at the top ar- around the elites so i thought that was very interesting as yeah well. I think like the that, movie. Sorry, you go. Sorry, you, you go. No, I, I have my points longer. So you go. <laughs> okay, I really like the scene with the octopus where um, Abigail has caught, made the fire, and cooked the octopus. And so what she does is she's cut it up into pieces, and for every piece she gives to the rest of the group, which is like what six, seven other people, she gives mm. one to herself. And I think that was just such a great scene of like that's that's capitalism, you know. Yeah. And I, lo- and I love that this the commentary here is that given the chance, people start the capitalist system again, right? Yeah. Even, even though they were not benefiting it from it originally, like, you know, they, they take advantage of that situation. And, and, and I think it's very yeah. interesting that, uh, that like, the, like she mentioned, I caught the octopus, I cooked the octopus. And like, I did basically all the work, but yet you still demand to have a lot, like to have an equal share of the mm-hmm. octopus. So like you did zero work, but you still demand to have this, the, the equal amount of privilege as me, you know? And yeah, actually, the way, sorry, you go. Yeah, so I say like, yeah, it's like these people have these power structures and the system of capitalism internalizing them so much that that's why they start to do it. I don't think the movie's saying it's like human nature to do it. I think what happens is Abigail now owns the means of production. She has 100% control. And so like she is able to be the capitalist elite. She is able to coerce for like sexual favors. Um, Instantly we see like an underclass emerge of people who don't have access to the means of production. And also we see how like it intersects with the woman who is paralyzed, like all, like immediately, is a different type of underclass because she like literally can't. Like there's no mm-hmm. way, like, and so people have to look out for her. So she is marginalized in that way just by the system itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I trailed off there, but yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. No, I I think it's also interesting that she she owns the means of production, but she's also the worker. She's both. Right. And that's what's interesting about this new capitalist society is that she's doing all the work and she's at top at the top. Right. It's not like the usual system, which is all the workers are at the bottom and get nothing. She's doing all the work and is benefiting from it, which is how one might say it should be. But it's also so obviously unequal. But if like if it was truly about. If she was, if it was truly about equality and making sure things were fair, she would teach people to fish. Exactly. Right. Yes. Like you know, you would you would make sure everyone has access to the means of production, and it's again the point of there is no equality without material equality. 
that's facts. Anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna move on. Let's talk about the pirate. So, um, a new character emerges in Act Three. Who is not the pirate? Come on, don't be racist. I'm no, calling him the pirate. Yeah. I'm calling him the pirate for now. Guys, you guys are fools. Anyway, so when he appears on the island, the Russian guy accuses him of being a pirate. And he's, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but he's black. And so he's like, you're a pirate. Or no, he's, he doesn't say it, but he asks. He's like, who are you? Where are you from? Like, what was your job on the ship? And he's like, oh, I was on the engine room. You didn't see me. Which is perfectly valid. That might be the case. And and I think that that's kind of interesting. Like, how would you know who I am? Like, right? But also, yeah. he's definitely a pirate. Come on, guys. He literally, there's a scene where he's shaving the Russian guy, and he admits to being a pirate. And no, he, he doesn't. About, he just, like, laughs. Yeah. No, he's talking about No, they're joking about it. They were, like, reminiscing at the beginning, you know, when yeah. they first met. They were like, oh, are you a pirate? And then The now point of that is that, <laughs> that pirate, it doesn't huh? matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because all of that is is different from what they they now no i think i think you're right i think it doesn't matter but it's the fact that he was a pirate and now it doesn't matter that i don't think dude he is for sure no okay no no no, okay you're tripping bro he's talking about being a pirate and he's like how does being a pirate work and he's like oh sometimes the mission is successful right like there's all these things did he yes he's just playing into it he's just joking around with them why would you think he's joking? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Also, on, like... Because it's like it's like the idea that... Okay, so before, this guy's asking him so much. He's being racist, and he's saying, like... But he's not yeah, wearing a, a uniform. No, 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 okay. He's, let me get to it. Like, he's saying, like, oh, he's asking so much. And before um, the guy's responding offended, like, oh, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not... And it's, it's supposed to signify that they have now reached a point where they actually have a good relationship and it doesn't matter and he doesn't care. And he's, so he that, just plays along yeah. with the joke. And yeah. so he's like, yeah, well, we have our missions and then we blah, blah, blah. I, I disagree. I, I get, well, let's agree to disagree on this because I, I actually do think he was a pirate and whatever. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, doesn't matter. My next point is called whoring for pretzel sticks. I think that is so funny and such a great critique of just like our system. I, I love the whole idea that he's selling his body for pretzel sticks. And I might as well bring this up now. But like, and you, we did touch on this, I guess, already. But Carl's whole existence, he has no skills. He's, he, his only way of making money and surviving is by selling his body. Is, which is kind of what labor is. And as like the working class, that is like you are sort of selling your body, but more to do like physical labor. But he, for whatever reason, can't do that. And so he's either a model where he's selling his looks or just being like the partner of an influencer, which gets him by and gets him perks. Or on the island, he whores for pretzel sticks. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was really great and funny. And then there's that whole bit with the whistling, which I thought was so funny with the, the whistle from the, the life jackets. Okay, I have a couple things to add on that. Uh, so first, do you think uh, Carl is happier with Abigail than he is with Yaya? I did, I did think you were going to mention this in this yeah. point. Was he happier? Aiden, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I want to hear you guys think first. Passing <laughs> <laughs> it around. I'm gonna go with. 
Yes. I think we... he's happier with Abigail. Let me explain. Yeah. Because he wants to be... De- Let me get this right. Is he, he wants to be dependent on someone else. Like, he doesn't want to be providing for Yaya. But Abigail is providing for him, and he likes that relationship better. Sure. I don't think he cares... I don't think he really cares about either one of them, right? It's right. A, the fact that in one relationship, he's giving and not receiving anything. Whereas in this relationship, there is a give and take, but he he doesn't care so much about the give. He appreciates that he's getting something out of the relationship. That's how yeah. I feel. And I think I agree that like he doesn't care that he's like whoring out because like he's essentially, like it's not that different from anything he's ever been doing. Exactly. And I think yeah. it, isn't it interesting that like um, in the first two acts of the movie we see Carl so craving the affection of Yaya, and Yaya is like, yeah, never mind, you know, whatever. Pretty like carefree about it. Like don't like um, she's winking at other guys, you know, she's chatting to other folks. Um, and then when as soon as Carl gets into this sort of like friend with benefits situation with uh, Abigail. She's all of a sudden very, very defensive about it. You see how, I think it's, like... Yeah, I think it's this great thing of, like, male insecurity and then hypocrisy because he's so worried that Yaya doesn't care for him and mm-hmm. would, you know, prefer to sleep with the cleaner guy or whatever his <laughs> job was. I don't know what his job was. He was just standing around with his shirt off. Um, meanwhile, or... You know, when when it's on the island and things are turned on its head, so is that relationship, right? Suddenly, he's the one with the advantage, or he can get something out of it, and he doesn't give a shit because he doesn't care about Yaya, right? And no, he, I think he does. I think he does. I don't think so. I don't think he really or, does. I don't no, think he's really capable he of like caring about anyone. Anyone. That much. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I this is a strong disagree by me. So I think um, <laughs> at the very beginning, he stated that. So Yaya was like, yeah, like, okay. So like um, the whole modeling situation is, yes, I do make more than you, but as soon as I get pregnant, I can't make money anymore. So I need to like meet and marry someone that, that can provide for me. And Carl's like, you know, obviously not he didn't, he's he didn't, not bad. <laughs> he didn't pay for the, uh, he didn't, he's like unwilling to pay for the dinner and all that. Um, and he's like, yes. Like, we can stay as just, like, influence partnership for now, but I'm going to prove it to you that, you know, you, you're going to fall for me. Like, you're, we're, we're, we're going to, like, have real love between us. But that's not really what he wants. You don't think so? I think he, he wants, genuinely he doesn't wants know what that is. He wants stability in this economy. That's what he really wants. Well, okay, so why did he give the pretzel stick to Yaya then? I think, hmm, that's a good point. I think maybe he's not a total piece of shit then. Like, he does... Yeah. Well, there's also a certain awareness of just, like, what you should do, whether or not, like, you actually are motivated to do that. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I think... I just don't think... That's not love. Giving the precious stick... Because if he actually loved her, then he wouldn't have slept with Abigail. Yeah. I think that's... Well, okay. So, he he stated that... Okay, first of all, he's he's actually happy with Abigail. So, that's one thing. Second of all, he mentioned that because Abigail's given him something he felt obligated to give something back as well. And he's repeatedly mentioned that like, like, okay, like, um, like, uh, I need to talk to Yaya about this or whatever. But then that evolved to eventually him telling Abigail, it's like, yeah, let's not hide around. Let's just tell everyone 
that you know we're a couple now and then that would just make everything less awkward because he felt genuine affection for abigail but no he's just receiving no but i think at the beginning he he loved i genuinely think he loved yaya I think he's he just like, uh, no. He, he wants to be in a relationship with Abigail, and he wants to have that be open because he's being relentlessly teased about it, and he doesn't yeah. like he doesn't like feeling like he's whoring for pretzel sticks, right? Okay. So it's it's yeah. all about him. It's still yeah. right, like it's not because of love, and that's something. And yeah, like Abigail is coercing him. What Abigail is doing is yeah. wrong and coercive and horrible. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be an allegory for like what like powerful men do to women all the time yeah it's like like he doesn't have a choice this was something i was going to bring up later but it's it's a good time now there's i think this whole movie is making a statement about how love and relationships become transactional and become about money or you know in the absence of money some other thing but i think most of there's a lot of relationships and couples in this movie and i think that's on purpose right so you have um there's the there's the guy who's single and rich. There's the the German, no Russian guy who sells shit. He has a, a wife. He literally and, sells shit. Yeah. Yes, he has a wife and a girlfriend. Um, who else? There was the. I don't know. There's a whole bit about like who well, pays for the dinner, English right? couple and the German speaking couple as well. Oh, there were the Germans, right? So like. I don't know. I just feel like there's uh, something to be said. Like the movie is trying to make a statement about how often, or I don't know if it's even often, but like how much money and this give and take nature of relationships. I don't know. Yeah. There's not a lot there. That's what I was saying. Yeah. No, I, 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 but I think that's a weakness of the movie that I don't think it really, I think it like offers that and doesn't really dig into it. I think it's just like okay, yeah. it's clearly saying like this is something I'm trying to say without really getting into it too much, and I think that that is true about mm-hmm. every single theme this movie is trying to, almost every single theme this movie is trying to portray. I think that's that's a fair statement. Okay, I have a question. What do you think the paralyzed? I should give her a name. What is her name? Um, but in in general, while I find this out, what do you think the why is the paralyzed woman in this movie? What does she represent? That's my question. I have no uh, idea, actually. Well, for me, like I thought that like it, when she's on the yacht and she's part of the upper class, she is her disability doesn't really marginalize her. Not like not. I mean, a little bit, obviously. Like it's not. It's bad. Like not great yeah. to live like that, but. It like not in the same way because like she has complete access to uh, subsistence, you know what I mean. And in that case, it's money. But then on the island, like I was saying, like she like suddenly becomes like an underclass in an of herself because mm-hmm. she doesn't have access to things the way other people have the potential to. Like she couldn't hunt or whatever, and she w- it would require extra care and it like an especially empathetic society oh um, my God. to help her. Wait, and Alice, and, and uh, that doesn't exist. Alice, her name the is phrase that uh, she on. uses. Yes. So first of all, her name is Therese, or okay. whatever the German pronunciation of that would be. But um, just wanted to give her a name, so it wasn't just paralyzed lady. Um, the thing she says is "in den Vulcan," which is German for "in the clouds." Okay, and I really like Aiden. That, that's a fantastic point, by the way. I really like how 
her saying in them Vulcan in Act 2 versus Act 3. Act 2, like, she's just saying it as, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I can't really say anything else, but, like, in them Vulcan. Uh, but then, like, obviously, she's taken care of, her, all her needs addressed, you know, she gets pushed around on a wheelchair. But then in Act 3, her saying in them Vulcan is almost like a pleading. It's her begging to be given food, yeah. begging to be mm-hmm. moved around, begging, because, like, she has no power on these people anymore and anything that they do for her is out of their kindness so like she no longer has any leverage on them Mm, and they have to do it out of their own will now and i think that's a fantastic parallel and uh contrast i think these are good points and a good answer to my question uh so the movie wraps up with yaya and um abigail discovering that there is a resort very close by and there's an elevator and it's quite a good scene, I think. Was this the scene you were talking about? Or was it, I, I forgot that there was an elevator scene. Maybe you were referring to that, Peter. I was referring to the beginning where okay, uh, okay. The, the Carl was trying to talk to Ab, uh, Yaya about uh, the, like, the whole, oh, no, yeah, like, you know, we want to be like equal. And then the elevator door kept trying to. Actually, it's kind it. of interesting. I feel like the elevator is on purpose. Like it's, it's, a, it's a motif in that like that idea of, levels and hierarchy the elevator yeah. is the thing that goes up and oh down my god that's great so if, yes if they were yes. to go into the elevator right then suddenly some people are you returned to power right. yeah exactly we're moving up and down the thing mm-hmm. but yeah that's a it's a great scene and i just have a question what do you guys think the movie ends kind of abruptly so what do you think that last shot is about um car we never find the woods <laughs> yes we never we never find out if abigail kills yaya I'm fine with that. I like ambiguous endings. But yeah. that last shot is Carl running through the same path that uh, Yaya and Abigail took, and he's running down the path. We don't know why. So what do you guys yeah. think about that? Okay, so I, I took think... This... Sorry, you I think you like talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you pose a question that's general, then we'll both be like, yeah, no, that's fair. But you both, you both are like, you both leap at it. You go, Peter. All right. Okay. I think it was it was obvious to me that Abigail killed Yaya. Well, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, why is Carl running? Oh, why is Carl running? Well, why did they make that the last shot of the movie? Why is he running? Why is that the last shot? That's kind of because I feel like he he sort of realized that what might have happened, and he doesn't want that thing to happen. You know, he doesn't want to lose both. One is sort of her romantic interest. The other one is the woman who provides for her. Yeah, I, I felt like she I was would, like... I thought you wanted to talk about the murder part, but okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I, I didn't really know exactly what to make of it. I, I definitely took it as he's like running after them. Because I, I like, yeah. you know, like because he mentions like, oh, should I come beforehand? And something spurs him to go after them. I think that I don't know, maybe like maybe he thought something was gonna happen, like a violent interaction, like Abigail would try to do something to him. But then again, I don't know why he'd think that, given that like because he doesn't know the resorts there. So why like and that's the reason she would do that because if she kills right, Abigail, because yeah. if Abigail kills her, then she can retain her power and yeah. I think, but I I, think I, I do. A, sorry, you you finish. Sorry. Yeah, I think that has to do a little bit with like again, like Art talks about how he's his need for dependence. Like he's like he literally like he can't be alone. Like he's kind of like a child, 
and he's like yeah. the like one of the two people that he could potentially like be dependent on are like both they're both gone and like he just like he he needs them you know what i mean like he needs to be the one receiving yeah i that's the thing like i feel that way but also like i don't know if that's enough to make you run through the forest like that and i almost yeah i almost wonder if that ambiguity hurts the point in that it's like why be ambiguous you can be ambiguous over if she dies but it's weird that i don't know why he's running that's something that I don't, sure. yeah. I'm not yeah. fond of. Like, I think, you know, if, does he hear a shriek? Because we don't. The audience doesn't yeah. hear, like, a, a yeah. shriek of pain or whatever. And then we'd be like, oh, now I know why he's running. But that would make it unambiguous uh, of an ending. So maybe that's I mean, what happened, I feel like right? in the moment it worked. But now that we're examining it after we see the movie, it works less well. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, okay, and I just have, like, I have a bit of a deviant point here but like i have been i have a problem like deviating from what we were just talking about (laughs) i'm yeah i'm a deviant um but um yeah i think that i had a i well i thought that the third act was the best one i had i also had a big problem with it too where i was like okay like this is i knew where it had to go it has to end in some way like they have to the only interesting thing they can do with this concept is re- reintroduce society to them and then see what happens. That. Like, so we know that has to happen. And then I also was like the very moment that um, Abigail and Yaya started, um, like they went off together. I was like, or the, even the moment Yaya was going to die. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I was like, Abigail's going to kill her. I was like, that's, yeah. they're going to discover something and Abigail's going to kill her. And like, it's like the movie doesn't think I've gotten the point by that time. And it feels the need to just keep going. There's so much before that point of just like, we're just, tre- we're just treading and treading and treading. And we're trying. It's the thing of diminishing returns where it's like the director seems to think that he's adding to the point, but he's not. And it's just like, I've gotten it and you're doing nothing and we're just going. And I know where this is going. I just want us to get there. And so I like, I literally like in the third act, third act of this movie, like I was hands like elbows on my knees, face in my hands, just like and 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 I was checking my phone all the time. I remember when we first got to the island, and I checked the phone and realized we had. I thought the movie was going to be almost over, and I realized how much time we had left. I was like, oh my god, man! Like I can't believe it. And then it doesn't say that much in that time. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I don't agree take. with that. I, I don't yeah, think it I, says very much in that time. I, I think I think the island was the best part. I didn't feel so much diminishing returns as I did in previous acts. Because I'm I'm the best of both worlds between the two of you. I felt I felt diminishing returns in the beginning, but I didn't feel it by the end. So, I think I would have felt less if we got here sooner, hundred percent. But yeah. Uh sh- mm. I, I, I agree that it should have gotten here sooner, but um, I don't know. I like the I like the whole scene where, you know, it's the will they, won't they, not kiss, will they, won't they kill each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought it was a good scene. And as for like the running thing, I, I really have no clue. I think, again, it's that idea of like, I don't think the ambiguity makes it a good ending. You know, it, yeah. 
sometimes there's this idea that like, you know, you need an ambiguous ending to be cool, right? It's a cool thing to do. But I think not knowing why he's running kind of is like just confusing. And I don't know. Anyways, I think let's, okay. One last question about this movie. There's, this is a satire and there's lots of things it explores and we've covered a lot of it. So is there anything that we haven't already covered that you think the movie makes a good point on? Any good insights? Is there, was there anything, is there anything poignant? I actually, I personally I want, don't to, think so. I want to talk about the ending a little more actually. Uh, God damn it, talk- Peter. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So my answer my to your question opinion, is no, Alex, by the way. <laughs> okay, I have some things, but Peter has something to in, talk about the ending. In my opinion, I think it's quite clear that Abigail killed Yaya there. And I really love how it's building up. Because like on the way there, we see clearly that uh, despite Abigail being the more adept one uh, in terms of like survival skills, uh, Yaya is clearly the younger and more, uh, I guess, like, uh, has, has more stamina than Abigail because like we've seen Abigail struggling yeah. down several paths while Yaya just like casually just walking through right mm-hmm. so like Abigail already knows like she's at a disadvantage and then eventually when seeing the elevator door is sort of like the nail in the coffin it's like if we return to this world everything that I've built all the powers that I've held will be meaningless and I will return to be a basic cleaner at a yacht or somewhere and she it's it's sort of this like this refusal to accept reality and her way of coping with that is by using a rock and hitting gaia in the head i you know? gotta be honest i don't think it matters if she dies yeah it's the ending so i don't think whether so that's why i don't really want to talk about that like whether or not she kills Yaya doesn't matter to me. If no, I, just, yeah. I think it's a powerful scene. I think the, feel, the like, feeling you're describing, Peter, I think is absolutely the point of the scene. But yeah. whether or and not she... Yeah, like, because she's being pushed to the brink of her humanity because of power relations. The questions yeah. the scene brings up is the important yeah. thing, not the answer of whether it happens. That's fair. That's it's, fair. it's the situation that... Anyways, um, I almost... That makes me wonder, like... If we had moved everything up, I almost wonder if we kept going like another 10 minutes after this. Like, what would that 10 minutes look like? That could well, be interesting to explore if we didn't waste so much time on mm-hmm. the yacht, right? Like, yeah. what does it, how far does Abigail go? How many people does she kill? Or what happens when Abigail comes back without Yaya? Yeah. What happens then? I think that could be really interesting. It's a good spot to end the movie where it did. But anyways, Peter's like vibrating yes. with um... excitement. Because cause, um, I think it, I, I totally forgot about something because um, there was a, uh, a, a fake Gucci bag seller uh, a little yeah. earlier before we yeah. see the reveal where this is a resort. So perhaps that Carl interacted with him and find out that they're not on remote island after all. And he's oh, running sure. there to, to uh, inform Sure, them. maybe he, but, okay, maybe he did, anyways, but we didn't see that. But, but so. yeah, yeah. So that's just my speculation. But a different thing I want to talk about is despite like even if abigail kills yaya the presence of that the the fake gucci bag seller and like the fact that we saw that scene meant that even the end is imminent yeah even if she killed yaya she still cannot hide the fact that they are not on a remote island after all you know and i think that's making a statement of its own like how it's inevitable the inevitability of someone 
who doesn't belong to a higher class to eventually return to sort of like her status, you know. That's, I think, I think that's, that's a, making a statement there as well. There's also a cool thing just about like globalization and how capitalism, you know, here's this guy who is selling like fake, well, I don't know if we know it's fake, but probably like Gucci yeah. stuff and Rolexes. And he's just like walking on the beach. Like that's yeah. really interesting, you know? Anyways. Yeah. And it's also, I, I think, sorry, just to build on what you're saying really, really quick. Like I, I think it's interesting. Like they say, like globalization, like, there is really no escape from like capitalism and, and imperialism. Like, yeah. like they have, like you think they have that escape and then it turns out they don't. Yeah. Even on this remote place, I've got this yeah. really great lens flare going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Sorry, listeners. Um, anyways, uh, let me get back to the point I was making before I was rudely interrupted by Peter. So some points that I think that were good that the movie made that I, we haven't touched on. I think there's this interesting idea of like role playing, um, not to get too kinky here, but sure. there's, there is the, the fetish or like role play foreplay bit, but there's also, I think there's a lot of role playing in the, the rest of the beginning. movie. Well, in the whole movie. Right. So yeah. like, there's like being an influencer is like, Role playing because you're someone who doesn't have a whole lot of money, but you're pretending to be rich and you're rubbing shoulders with the rich despite not having the same money as them, right? And because also, I think it's interesting that they want to spend time with an influencer because you have an attractive person to look at when all of the other rich people aren't necessarily as attractive or youthful, at least, right? Um, anyways, there's like the let's go for a swim role playing. Um, the captain who wants to be a socialist, but in practice isn't. Um, the guy who, if the guy is a pirate, playing the role of not a pirate, uh, Abigail's playing role. So I, I just think that's like an interesting thing. And yeah, let's just stop talking about this movie. We've been talking about it forever. So that's Predator versus movies. I, I like Thank you. Show. Thank you. Predator versus movies. Um, let's put a predator in this goddamn movie. Maybe let's not. <laughs> <go. laughs> I don't. Just yeah. Uh, okay, okay. I will say one thing, though. Where would he get remember, the island. Remember in Act sure. 2 and the power went out because they blew a fuse? And yeah. like how like the PA was still working? Well, that, I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty funny. But anyways... Imagine like in the dark with like fucking like uh, shit and like sewage going everywhere, and a predator just goes on hunting. Oh my god! Yeah, no, cool. it's there's no pirate. The predator is the pirate. <laughs> what if that's no no no? What if it was the predators were the pirates? So they blow up the ship, and then a predator washes up on shore, and he's like, "I'm not a pirate. What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, I work in the engine room. What are you <laughs> you racist? <laughs> I think so. that would be fun. Or. I don't know. I think that's the best. I think I don't think we could get better than that. Moving on. Yeah. Let's keep going. Um, we have some Rex and maybe some anti-Rex for the week. Um, let's start with Aiden. Let's start with Aiden. Shit, I was hoping you wouldn't start with me because I need Let's to start with Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, you go first. Okay. Um, so I have one anti-Rex this week. Okay. So my friends on the podcast, Aiden and Alex, have tried very hard to convince me not to see Amsterdam. Oh, was that, was that not, was it this week? Yeah, I saw it this month. No, I think you're right. You're right. Okay, Um, sorry. So basically, like, I was telling them that, hey, the cast is great, you know, the audience score is 
technically fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, even though it got a twenty-three <laughs> percent. Uh, and then, and then I was like, dude, you know what? I like these people. Christian Bale, go. Uh, John David Washington, go. Margot Robbie, go. You know they're all great. And we have Robert De Niro, Anya Taylor Joy. Like everybody's Michael like Shannon. Huh? It's a stacked cast. Yeah. And yeah, Michael it's a Myers. Very very stacked cast. Oh, yeah. So I was like, surely. Surely, no. <laughs> surely they can carry this no, movie, right? I love that. Went into a, a theater. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I okay. I, I kid you not. I have not fallen like close to a sleep for a movie <laughs> in a long time. Not to mention in the theater, man. Like the vibe is right. You know, speaker blasting your ears, huge ass screen in front of you. You know, and That's I almost movie. fell asleep. It was so boring. The story was chaotic as fuck. Does not know what it, what what it wants to do with itself, and honestly, I don't know how like they convince these big names to sign off. Like, I think Christian Bale is making some terrible career decisions right now. Fucking <laughs> yeah, Thor, yeah. and and now yeah. this like come the fuck on, man! Like you you you're amazing come actor. You don't have to sign on this shitty project, you know. And uh, the acting yeah, is that, bad. The acting is bad in that movie, from what uh, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, and. And, like, people kept talking over each other. Like, it's like you, they're arguing all the time. And you can't mm. make out what everyone's saying. And then eventually, like, when Robert De Niro goes on the stage, which is supposed to be, like, this climatic moment. And you're just like, whatever. You know, if he dies, he dies. Whatever. <laughs> like, you're not invested in the characters at all. And I, I don't yeah. like that. I gave I, the movie at one and a half star on Letterboxd, by the way. It was I, that my, bad. My favorite thing is that there's all these signs that you should not see this movie and that this movie is going to be terrible and you kept ignoring them. (laughs) You were like, you had horse blinders on. Just like, no, it's going to be fine. It's a cast. Like, the cast are going to make it good. And we're like, dude, people literally have seen it and say it's awful. You're like, no, it's a cast. (laughs) Look who's talking now. Anyways, is that the only thing? No, nothing nothing else you've seen? I'm going to pass it on to Aiden. Is he ready? Sure, I got. So, uh, I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld recently. Like Yo, that show. Seinfeld. Like so Seinfeld. Good. Love me some Seinfeld. Good show. Where Where are you right now in Seinfeld? I watch it like really sporadically. So I've seen. Okay. I watched like seasons like three to something. Like, and then I like didn't watch a bit, and then I watched like season eight, and I don't know. I don't even know. It's just like a patchwork. I like the show. It's good fun. Um, yeah, that's in real rec. Um, I also watched the series finale of Rings of Power, a show that I only Ooh. watched approximately oh, half of. Um, why did you watch the finale then? Because I didn't really give a fuck. Like, I okay. watched the first wow. couple episodes, I watched the first couple episodes of the show, and then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I stopped caring more and more. And then I, I like wanted to know what like the reveals <laughs> yeah, were. Okay, oh sure. my god, dude, the reveal is so shit. Like the I know way what it they is, do, but I haven't seen it yet. You know, like who the thing yeah. is? Yeah. Okay. It's shit. It's done so badly. Like, what, and it's okay. it's anticlimactic, and it's yeah. Well, okay, what about the show as spoilers, a whole? Though? Would you recommend spoilers it? for spoilers for uh, Rings of Power? Okay, you can yeah. you can answer the question first, and then we'll get into it. Sorry, sorry. What are you would saying? You, would you recommend the show? Because I have not seen it, and uh, I, I maybe, like the Rings. So. If you're a big ring head, if you're a big <laughs> ring head, I don't know. Well, remember, really... Peter's a lore, Peter's a lore guy. 
He's yeah. canonically a lore guy. You so. might, yeah, you might really enjoy that. I don't know. I thought it was it was pretty cool, but like I again didn't watch the whole show. But okay. yeah, I mean, so, so reported this is the most expensive TV show ever made. So did the budget I, reflect in the episodes? It was fifty. It looks great dollars per, per episode. I think the budget. The show looks yeah, very good. The production design and quality is fantastic. It's more yeah. like I think Aiden's problem is with the story, right? Like it's not. Yeah. It's the things that you can't really buy or can't like money can't solve a, a, a yeah. bad story. Right? And I don't know. I like I have a problem when prequels are so preoccupied with more preoccupied with being a prequel than just being a good story and like setting up things and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I've been watching it too, and I'm seven out of eight episodes through. I think it's out of eight. Um, whatever. All but one, essentially. And I've just been seeing, like, week to week, people have been complaining about this this idea that the whole story is a mystery box of who Sauron is. Like, that's what... Yeah. They think that's what the show is. And what boggles my mind is, as someone who knows next to nothing about Lord of the Rings, I have technically seen all the movies, not that I remember them, Mm-hmm. or anything about them but yeah. watching the show like in my own experience i have never once was like concerned about who sauron was it was only internet people going who's sauron who's sauron who's on it was like it's exactly like wandavision what ruined wandavision was mephisto. all this internet, internet <laughs> speculation about mephisto and other bullshit like it caused people to have false expectations Whereas sure. I'm just like trying to watch a show and people are like, who the fuck is Sauron? And I'm like, who the fuck cares? But at the same it's time, Sauron's the show here, he'll appear the later. Show, the show is trying to build up to it. And it is, the reveal is supposed to be like a big thing. And it's not. Well it done. is, it is ultimately a big thing, but I never like watching the show myself. I never felt that sauron's identity was a big thing i always thought that he just was hiding off screen like somewhere else i never i didn't ever think that it would be a character we had been seeing for the whole season not to spoil who that is um yeah as for who it is sort of spoilers so if you really don't want to know and you're kind of behind maybe don't listen to this part but i'm not going to say who it is but uh, knowing who it is i think it is a good answer because i think it's that idea of like what's the worst thing the main character Galadriel could hear. Right. I think it's a perfect example of that. I don't know what the execution is. Haven't seen it. Yeah. Execution's not good, but I agree with the general sentiment. Yeah. I just, yeah. So I've, I've seen that too. And I, I don't hate it. I don't love it either, but it's, yeah. it's whatever. Anyways, do you have any other recs? Uh, I think that's it. Cool. Okay. Um, I have a big anti rec. Well, whatever. Cool. It's a, it's a mid rec. Black Adam. I saw it. I, I needed to see what it was. That's let's mm-hmm. just say like it was for. You needed to see the power I, hierarchy of the DC universe. Well, yeah, change obviously, it was a scientific uh, scientifical data analysis. Like it was research, whatever. But mm-hmm. it's not good. The pacing is terrible. It feels like they had a, like a a three hour movie and they had to cut it down to two. So literally, like I don't think there's a shot that's held for longer than three seconds in the entire. <laughs> Like, it's insane how quickly just individual scenes are paced. Like, like lines, lines, uh... lines are cut to like, they're bumping into each other. And I'm like, (laughs) give like someone room to breathe. It's insane that like, okay, like there's so many things I don't like about it. It's like, as someone who 
has existed in both worlds and someone who is a super big fan of like hero like superheroes in like that world and now is a film major and you know like more arty films i think i have the best of both worlds to say that this movie sucks like no matter <laughs> what viewpoint you look at because it's it's one of those terrible situations where or movies where there's like that villain that is so like nothing until the third act yeah and, and it's that case of like you know here's the hero who's kind of a bad guy and then there's the good guys who are the clear good guys who are fighting him and then they have to work together to stop the real villain no don't do that i hate when they do that because yeah. it's like it just undermines the idea that the the main character who is like a bad guy but is still the protagonist it undermines that he's a bad guy right if he's a bad guy just let him be the bad guy and let the antagonists yeah. of the story be the heroes i don't know what's so hard to like why is this so hard to understand and yeah like i said editing and pacing is terrible there's i don't think there's any scene where we can just like sit and think about what just happened like um what else can i say about this some crazy choices um adam smasher the mask Noah Centineo. exactly like deadpool it's insane and then he acts like deadpool too really Um, yeah it's is that what that character is or did they just do that i i don't know anything about adam smasher i'm sure that was i don't know um what else can i say bro shut up dr fate is cool um probably the only interesting thing about this movie also just like the whole like black adam's characterization is weird and i don't really agree with it like almost not quippy but like bumping up against quippy and i was like that's not right that's marvel movie characterization like we can't have a character who's just angry and mean you know they have to be sort of goofy and relatable well, the thing is, he was um, born into slavery, and then his son sacrificed, and I had to become the legend. die had the anti-hero. I'm the anti-hero. Yeah. So then, yeah. so then, yeah. So then, why in the modern day is he like, like the kid is like, oh, you need a catchphrase, and he's like trying to do his catchphrase. I'm like, this is stupid. Why is he trying to do a catchphrase? Why does he care? He wouldn't. And then the other thing is like, he has there's no goal. He has no goal, or like. So like he he comes back to life and it's for a second it seems that he's like a genie for someone like it seems like he's just bound to protect them cuz he doesn't have any goals of his own like what I don't know what he wants he just kind of hangs around until people are like oh he's a threat let's go stop him and then he has to fight them because they're going to try and stop him right like there's no people put goals on him but he never has anything he's trying to do anyways I didn't I didn't like it I thought it was silly Dude, you know uh, also, why there's a pacing issue with Black Adam? Because it was an R-rated cut. And yes, they and they cut out all the storytelling bits. <laughs> no, but anyway, that's Were the storytelling bits R-rated. Like, yeah, that's the joke, like, bro. That's was he develop? Like. Was he developing his character when he was like boning down? <laughs> oh my god! Like, whatever. Anyways, I hated that movie. I also watched this movie called The Return from 2003. Uh, it's a that? Russian movie, I think. That movie is fucking phenomenal great movie about like um like fathers and absent fathers and masculinity fantastic movie cannot recommend that movie enough it's so good i also watched paul schrader's affliction didn't care for it not a popular opinion but i didn't like it and it's about similar things um and or still great 
go check out Andor. I actually really liked last week's episode, maybe more so than some of the other ones, but um, good stuff. Uh, that's all I have to wreck. Next week, by God, I hope maybe we can do Tar. I think <laughs> finally, might I think it be does playing out. in our area. We we saw some things on Twitter. We we're like, oh, does that mean it's or maybe it's the Cineplex website might finally come out for us. Um, also, next week is All Quiet on the Western Front, the Netflix version. Oh, I want to watch that one. I do yeah. too. I think I might just watch it. But I think we've been hyping up Tar so much. If it's here, we have to do it. <laughs> and there's also um, Armageddon Time is another movie. That After is Sun is Soon too, right? Yeah, I don't know. It was supposed to be this week, but I it wasn't playing where we're at. So right. maybe it'll come out eventually. Anyway, so that's that's the plan. Follow us on Twitter at Predator V Movies. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Predator versus Movies Podcast. Follow me on Letterbox at underscore Alex Gordon underscore. Um, Leave a review on whatever you're listening to right now, whatever platform, because that's how other people get to see our wonderful podcast. And by see, I mean here, because the it predators is a podcast. and the movies. Yeah, people want to listen to that, and the algorithm yeah. has to know. So leave a review and make it positive, please. Uh, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this is Predator vs. Movies and. <laughs> <the movie. laughs>